your ride ready for spring driving with Dobbs Spring Break Deals. Money saver deals you can use on Goodyear, Pirelli, Cooper, Michelin, and General Tires. Expert auto service, too. Click on GoToDobbs.com for spring break deals now. Cheap, cheap, fun, fun. Spring is in the air and Dirt Cheap is in your neighborhood ready to deliver the perfect drinks to your doorstep. That's right. All of Dirt Cheap's convenient locations now offer delivery of their wide selections of beers, wines, and all the spirits you need. And if you're like me, nothing hits better in the springtime than a nice weeded bourbon. Ask the friendly staff at Dirt Cheap about their selection of weeders like Maker's Mark, Larceny, and so many others. Download the Dirt Cheap app and order curbside or delivery. Have fun, but be careful out there. Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. This is the BK and Ferrario Podcast, powered by I Promise. Now here's BK and Ferrario. to Marisnik. Sway and a miss. Got him. Reyes bounces back. Cards win three of four. They win this one three to two. And they're a game above the 500 mark. What a series here. We play a lot of teams in the second half in our division and it's going to be battles. So it's starting tomorrow. So it's going to, we just got to continue to continue to fight, continue to pitch well, have quality at bats. We're having really good quality at bats right now. And uh, I think we'll find ourselves uh, hopefully right there at the end. That audio courtesy of Valley Sports Midwest. The Cardinals have won one, two, three, four, five of their last six games to open up the second half of the season. Really we don't have, have to, to talk that? about that other one. You really have to count how many they won? If you eliminate that one inning, that one damn inning right after I said that this team was getting back on track, the Cardinals would look pretty darn good right about now, boys. They'd be winning six in a row. And we'd be riding sky high about how they need to go out there and add some pieces because this is a contender again. They're starting to look like that. I have a that. feeling with your tone right now, we are still going to be riding <laughs> sky high. From the la- This is the first time in the last 32 days that the Cardinals have been over 500. Winning teams win games like the last two days. Those were not easy games. Three to two last night, three to two on Wednesday night. You had to go to extras to win that one. It was a little bit of a bumpy road, but winning teams find a way. And last night, Alex, I feel like that's exactly what the Cardinals did. Defense, strong starting pitching once again, a big homer out of Nolan Arenado. That was a big time W for the Cardinals. You know what I was impressed by? 0 for 8. That's what Will, uh, Wilson Contreras and Anthony Rizzo were. Like Those are two big bats in that lineup, and I understand that they're two guys that probably are going to be traded, might mentally be fatigued right now with everything that's going on with the Cubs, but you still found a way to eliminate those two. Yep. You found a way to eliminate the red-hot bat of Patrick Wisdom coming into this game. You found a way to shut down that offense, which I am very impressed by for this Cardinals team. You did the same against the San Francisco Giants. Pitching did its job. Bullpen. Still kind of up there, but look, you found a way through and Alex Reyes rebounded really well. This was the kind of series that I think anybody who sits there, and I'm included in this, that says, man, I'm just not believing. I'm not buying into this team yet. Oh, are you coming on board? No, let me finish this. 
you start to be interested in coming on board. Oh, okay. I told you guys July 31st, post-trade deadline, that's where I'm willing to make the decision of bandwagon or no bandwagon. Yeah, but that's a Saturday. That's no fun for our show. Well, we're back on the air on Monday. Okay. And maybe I'll put a tweet out. Follow me at Ferrario 101 ESPN. He's at uh, BK Sports Talk. I don't know what you're at, Tina. That's, uh, this is hurtful. I, I don't <laughs> follow you. On, on I, don't, I, don't, I thought it was wax, wax, Ferrari, and ready to Ferrario, mingle. Ferrario follows me. BK, that's hurtful. <laughs> I actually like the fact that he doesn't follow you. But this is the kind of series win that you sit there and you say, okay, all right, see if you can keep this going because I'm starting to buy into this. But this weekend series... It's two things for me. One, you're taking on a competitive team that wants to be a buyer, that wants to compete in the NL Central for a wild card. And two, you're on the road. Two elements that we haven't seen over these last two series where you're sitting there going, oh, yeah, Cardinals are back on board. Show me that you can do this in a different element. And then I'm going to start to sit here and say I'm right on I'm right on par with what I want to be with this Cardinals team. I'm with you, too. You're go- And you're going to a park that's not pitcher friendly. Cincinnati yep. is a hitter's park. And you're throwing out guys in LeBlanc, LeBlanc. who throws a lot of strikes. Got my Orioles shirt on today for a LeBlanc start. And then also Woodford and Oviedo, who have been kind of up and down. So seeing them going into Cincinnati, which is a hitter-friendly park, it'll be interesting to see how the rotation holds up. The biggest thing for me coming off this homestand, though, is the lack of walks coming from the starting rotation. Now, the bullpen has been able to hit guys like it's target practice. But other than that, what they did. too soon, man. Someone got hit yesterday. Sorry. Well, it wasn't. It wasn't the Cardinals who yeah. did it. Well, finally. But the starting pitching has done a really good job in walks. I think, if I remember correctly, it was six walks on the broadcast last night heading into KK's start from the rotation. KK only walked, it was uh, one guy. He only walked one batter. So the starting rotation is throwing strikes, allowing that defense, which you talked about, which is playing unbelievably well. It's allowing the defense to kind of do its job and and by doing that you feel comfortable because throwing strikes we've talked about it there's a potential for four gold glovers on this cardinals team so what they have to do what was that look for but but what they have to do is throw strikes and then it's more than likely i don't want to say it's more than likely you're going to get an out but i feel very confident that you're going to get it out and i like seeing this from the starting rotation yeah six five seven eight oh is the air comfort service tax line from the three one four guys the cardinals have gotten back to their identity they're pitching and they're playing good defense absolutely the other thing that they're doing is they're hitting home runs again. Like it, sometimes this game can be pretty darn simple. And for the Cardinals, what went wrong for them in the month of June? Quit well, slugging, baby. Basically everything. But their offense in particular was atrocious in June. And a big part of that was they weren't hitting home runs. They hit 33 home runs in 26 games in April. They hit 32 home runs in 28 games in May. And then in the month of June, they hit 19 homers in 27 games. Their power was gone. In the month of June, they had a slugging percentage of 335. That would be a solid on-base percentage. That's an awful slugging percentage. Now in the month of July, they're already up to 21 homers in 16 games. They have hit two more home runs this month than they did in June in 11 fewer games. That's what's changed. For the offense, if you look at the batting average, it's pretty close. If you look at the on-base percentage, it's pretty close to where it's been. It's the slugging percentage. That's getting back on track, and it's because they're not trying too hard to hit those home runs. They're hitting line drives at a pretty decent clip right now. They're not striking out at a crazy rate. They're not walking very much at all, but when you're hitting the way that they are up and down their lineup, these are the kinds of results that you would expect. So what's changed offensively for them? They're getting back to that identity of finally being able to hit the homers again. I don't know about you, T-Bone, but all I heard 
BK just say right there is Jeff Albert's great at his job and people need to lay off of him. Uh, no, I, I haven't seen that. a whole lot of Jeff Albert texts over the last couple of weeks. That. I was just thinking is I have not seen a lot of Jeff Albert haters over this last couple of series against the Giants and then the Cubs. By the way, there's a lot of adjustments that have been made. Dylan Carlson clearly made an adjustment. He, he looks better at the plate. Bader looks awesome. Tyler O'Neill, whether you want to give credit to Jeff Albert or the player, you I think there's a little bit of both that deserves to you be have had to here. Both. Tyler O'Neill's been super consistent this year. Oh. Even right now, he's not hitting for as much power yeah. anymore. But his but average he, is up. He's hitting 310 this month, I believe. You're getting everybody contributing. And this is what we've always talked about this season. Your Goldschmidt is heating up. And what were we talking about in the month of June? Like you didn't have Paul Goldschmidt. Nolan Arenado is starting to heat up. You didn't have him towards the end of June, beginning of July. You're starting to get contributions to all of these players. And right now, I think you have finally found the sweet spot for these guys in the lineup. Talked yesterday about possibly moving Bader up. Don't touch Harrison Bader. Keep him where he's at. Dylan Carlson is starting to really feel Oh, wow. See? Well, now he's going to get you broken. You can bump him up. No, now he's going to get broken because you moved him to seven. Not today. It's he... just going to be horrible for Harrison Bader. I don't think he had a hit last night, did he? Oh, no, there you go. But he looked good in the outfield, didn't he? But Dylan Carlson in the leadoff spot, right? Like one, two, three, four, seven, eight, wherever you're going, guys are starting to fill into the spots that you need them to. And whether you want to give it to Jeff Albert, the players, whomever, you're getting the contributions from the entire lineup, and that's where I was sitting there saying, I can't buy into this Cardinals team yet because you're only getting one guy that's doing something. I mean, look at how the Cardinals scored last night. You get a homer to lead things off, and then you get a home run from Nolan Arenado. Dun. That's the difference. That's it. No, Dunn's in Seattle now. Because they're oh, still... Yeah, that's right. Is this a great offense? No, it's not. They were one for five last night with runners in scoring position. It's going to be an offense that is up and down, but when you're able to get that power surge, when you're able to make up for the lack of consistent base runners throughout a game, that's the way you do it. It's with the home runs because you're able to still put some runs on the board. And the other thing is in games mid-June or so, this is a team that in that type of a game would have lost three to seven because your pitching would have been atrocious. They would have been walking guys all over the place. The bullpen comes in. They give up the game. Like, that's the kind of thing that you would have expected. Now, playing good defense, getting good start, starting pitching, the bullpen, you're having guys step up that we didn't expect. Ryan Helsley, full kudos to him. Stepped up in a big way last circle. night. Are we putting circle. him in the circle? circle? Absolutely not. Thank you, buddy. I'm so glad not. you're smart like I am. <laughs> Let's not be ridiculous. Yeah. But he's working his way there. Mm-hmm. If he continues going down this path... <laughs> By the end of the month, he might be there. And you know who else is working his way into this? McFarlane! TJ McFarlane. I, I mean... And he- guess where? Guess who developed him? Baltimore! Okay, get out of here. Crap. Enough with the Baltimore Look, stuff. Look, he's starting to give me ultimate Seth Manus, Matt Bowman vibes Whoa. in their first... Well, not, not post-first season, but like the first time you saw them, every time Matt Bowman came into a game, it was ground ball, double play. Ground ball, double play. That's what McFarland has been doing, man. He's starting to put himself into a conversation where I feel a lot more comfortable with him on the mound than anybody else. Can, can I ask you guys last night, when he came, when you saw he was in the game for the eighth inning, were you, did you feel confident at all? No. But, see, I actually had a, a sense of confidence. After watching him get two big double play balls in his last two appearances, I kind of yeah. went, you know what? I kind of have a little bit of confidence. I'm not going to say I was like, all right, I can prop my feet up. This ending's over. But I was like, you know what? It wasn't confidence, but it wasn't the 
It wasn't the tight butt cheeks that you usually get when guys come out of the bullpen for I was you. worried last night. I'm going to be honest with you guys. Yeah, well, BK always wow. sends texts, and he's like, oh, is anybody else getting nervous? It was three to two. You bring in TJ McFarland, and I was worried. And then you got into the ninth inning, and I didn't know what to expect out of Alex Reyes. Yeah, that's the one that I was really interested in. I wanted to see him be able to close that thing out. It was the right decision to bring him in in that spot. Of course, he's your closer. He should be consistently going forward. I just didn't know. I didn't know how he would bounce back from the first time that he'd given up a game this year. First time in his career he'd given up a game like that. And he bounced back, and he was awesome in that spot. He did exactly what you needed out of him. So to answer your question, was I nervous? Yeah. The last two innings of that game, honestly, last three innings of that game, I was super nervous in every single spot. Right, and you're understand. driving the bandwagon for yeah. the Cardinals. I could understand the seventh and eighth inning one, the ninth inning one. I had no concerns. Unreal. You had no worries at all no. about Alex Reyes bouncing back. With Going his, up against his, the heart of their lineup. With his stuff, no, I, I had no concerns. I mean, I you know what Alex Reyes back. is. Alex Reyes comes in in a clean, clear-cut save inning. He's going to get you out of it. He comes in with the bases loaded, guys on base, or a game that's not a save situation. It's going to blow up in his face. Maybe but you know what Reyes is. I just, going up against Rizzo, Wisdom, and Baez in that spot, coming off of what was a tough moment for him, I was a little nervous. Nah, he was pissed I off. I felt more confidence in him than I did McFarland. McFarland, I had no idea what to expect out of him in, in that spot. Hate the Cardinals? I, okay. Now, I didn't. <laughs> now, the one thing I didn't expect out of Reyes was a walk, and I got that, so. I, I'm back on board the bandwagon. Frankly, I never left the yeah, bandwagon. Yeah, look at this guy. And the Cardinals are 48 and, for, or excuse me, 49 and 48. Oh. I got so used to them being under 500 that I can't even believe that we're here why now. Do, why do I picture that BK's bandwagon is a car that's on fire? What are you talking Like smoke coming out of the engines. That's that's BK's They're bandwagon. Five and two to He's start rolling the second up half. in like a 1970s. I don't even know what car that'd be because I wasn't around yet. Yeah, he, he has my first my first car, a Ford Tempo, that when you got the speedometer past 50, it started to shake, and you're thinking, oh, I might die today. That's the bandwagon but get that BK's on board, driving. Boys. It's about to go through a renovation. We're about to put a new engine in that bad boy. You're not even going to be, be able to believe what that thing looks like here in about a month or you so. You want to try that again? You're not even going to believe Thank what you. it looks like. <laughs> With Alex Ferrario, Taylor Hendricks, and I'm Brandon Kiley. So where do the Cardinals stand right now? Well, there's seven games back of the Brewers in third place in the division, but just a half game back of the Reds. Big series coming up this weekend for the Cardinals against the Reds in the wild card standings right now. They're also seven games back of the Padres. Again, the Reds are the only team between the Cardinals and the Padres in the wild card standings. It's less for me right now about how many games back you are and more about how many teams there are between you and the team that you got to beat for the Cardinals right now, you're starting to get into a much better spot with the regard to the playoff race. So we'll get into that more throughout the day today. It's 1114. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers and officially licensed Rolex jeweler coming up in about 15 minutes or so. We might have set our sights on the wrong free agent for the blues. We'll explain why coming up at about 1130, but coming up next KK was great last night. He's been great all season long, really. And especially over the last month or two, you guys ready to start talking extension with him? We'll talk about it next on 101 ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. KK said he would like to remain a Cardinal for several years. I He looks healthy. I know he's 32, but... You know, you sign him a couple more years, and, and 
I, I think there's no way that the Cardinals could, would not benefit from having a veteran left-hander that can go out, be efficient, pitch for the weak contact that he's patented for. I absolutely think he's a candidate for an extension, and I hope that and I believe that's something that the Cardinals will will consider. That was Katie Wu on with us earlier this week. She, of course, is the Cardinals insider for the Athletic with Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. Are you guys ready to sign up for what she was talking about? A KK extension. It's something that I think is absolutely worthy of discussion at this point. He's won five straight starts. That is the longest streak by a Cardinal starter since Mark Mulder in 2005. So far this year, he's been outstanding in terms of the overall numbers. He's thrown 84 innings and he has a 2.88 ERA on the season. 65780 is your comfort service text line to give your thoughts on this. I looked last night, Alex, into some of the uh, comparable pitchers and some of the free agents in recent years that you could look at for what the extension could look like. Jake Odorizzi, Mike Miner, Kyle Gibson, who I know we've talked a lot about lately. Wade Miley, Lance Lynn. Those are kind of the, the comparable pitchers. Have you seen what Wade Miley's done this year? Yeah. That's ridiculous. Sorry. Yeah. Um, if you're looking for those comps, it's probably two to three years, what you're looking at in terms of the term. And it's 8 to $10 million per season. So let's say it's something like two years, 20-ish million dollars. You guys signing up for that right now with KK, whether it be now or in the offseason, which is probably more likely. If it's two years, 20 million, I'd at least think about it. The extension that you posed to me last night. Tanner posed to you. Tan- sorry, time. Tanner posed to me last night. What well, it was three. Three for 39, so it was like three for 13. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Because. I don't think it's going to take that much, by the way. I don't. After looking at some and of the that's comments. why I've changed my tune because I came into this segment ready for a fight. Like I'm, I'm ready to go at it with you guys because I said last night, absolutely not. Because everybody still complains about the Miles Michaelis contract, and I understand it was a massive, massive deal at the time. But a three thirty three or three thirty nine that you had mentioned, I mean, it's a two million dollar difference plus a year compared to the Michaelis one. And I'm in terms not, of a per year value. Yeah, and I'm not doing that for a guy that's good, that's 33 years old that I don't know how he's going to perform. And frankly, let's be honest here with KK. He's been good as of late. But a month ago, we were talking about this guy going into the bullpen because he was a bullpen pitcher. Last year, he was phenomenal at the beginning of the season. Last couple of games, he struggled. Beginning of this season, I know he was hurt. But he couldn't get you more than four innings. He's looked great now. Part of me feels like let it ride out, see how he does the rest of the season, and then negotiate in the offseason, maybe do a year-by-year deal. I'm not touching it by a 10-foot pole if I'm giving this guy a three- or four-year contract because then everybody's going to start complaining when it doesn't work out that what the hell are you doing giving this guy a contract? I've never heard Cardinals fans complain about <laughs> You complain about Michaelis all the time. I just complain that he's hurt. Bring back Carlos, right? <laughs> no. So if that's the stipulations of it, BK, 2 by 20 I'm listening to that because I think that's a steal for a guy who could be a three or four guy in your rotation next year. If it's what T-Bone mentioned last night, I'm not touching that with a 10-foot pole. When I did mine, I was comparing him to Francisco Liriano. Three for 39 is what he signed with the Pirates back in 2014. And he kind of compares the eye test, if I remember Liriano kind of correctly. Left-handed pitcher kind of compares to him a little bit. Now, Liriano's numbers were worse than KK's, but he had more Major League Baseball experience. I was about to say, same, he also had a lot of experience at that point. Same, same with some of these guys that we've talked about that we're comping him to. Mike Miner now, Wade Miley, some of these guys that have much more Major League Baseball experience. So that's why I think 220 to 330 is about where he's going to sit. He probably can't ask for much more because he's got 
he won't even have really a full year in Major League Baseball uh, this year because he's been hurt, and then he only pitched 10 games last year. So he'll be right about your normal uh, starts if you're healthy for a starting pitcher at the Major League level. I would do it. I, I think the Cardinals, what they're going to take away from the Michaelis contract, and they have it in the C-Mart deal, Michaelis doesn't have a team option in his contract that, that I'm aware of. I'm pretty sure he doesn't. I I didn't negotiate the deal. I, why are you looking at me? Yeah, well, BK doesn't. gave me kind of a little stare for a second, so I thought I said something wrong. No, he's no not, he's t- not listening typically to team options are when you're buying out the arbitration years. That's where those come into effect. So that that's typically where they go because they're they're team friendly. I, I think. Well, I think a KK deal is going to be pretty team friendly. I don't think he's going to ask for more than what he's worth. So I think the Cardinals may look for a team friendly deal with KK. Maybe you do two years plus a team option, or maybe a player option. Whether whatever you want, not doing a player that way, option. No. That way, you, God, no. that's why I'd stick with the team option. I'm that not way doing any option. If like Alex is saying, I don't want to do maybe three years because I don't know what to look at the Michaelis contract. Well, then I have two years guaranteed, and I don't even have to worry about a third if he's bad. So I look at a two to three year deal around what you said, BK, about ten million, maybe uh, AAV. So about two twenty to three thirty. I would yep. do that for sure. I would consider it. I think that I'd be down for it, but I also think we need to keep in mind what the Cardinals rotation is potentially going to look like next year. And we need to find out, okay, are are we good with slotting him into that rotation? Because we're all, we're all signing up for Flaherty, right? Correct. You're going to have hopefully Hudson coming back. He's, you would imagine going to be your number two starter next year. Where do you go from there? Are you guys ready to go ahead and put in pin Alex Reyes into the rotation? Well, can I put in pin someone first before Reyes? Bueno? Michaelis. Okay. Yeah, Michaelis is going to be there. Just because he's got the contract other- yeah. otherwise. And you're, you want to bring back Wayno if he's I willing do. to play, Wayno's right? Wayno's in there for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think Reyes. So you have one spot left in your rotation. Do you want to go KK there? You think you have to go Reyes there unless you're moving him because Reyes isn't going to so come back as a closer. So what are we doing with KK? Well, that's what I'm talking about here. Like, you can't just sit here and say, well, KK's going to be back and he's going to be in our rotation. Now, what I w- – okay, so – I understand this. You have five star. You have five spots. So here's, here, They're not doing a six man rotation. I would bring year. a KK in. I I think they could consider a six man rotation next year. They what won't. what have we learned? No. What have we learned from this year? That they won't do it. The, the only start, reason they're no, doing no, the it is because they don't, yeah, the, but the only reason they don't doing have it. starting pitching depth. So bringing back KK and add having six at least starters. And let's be honest, yeah, we but, don't know if Rays can be a but starter. But having next starting year. pitching depth isn't. Oh well, we're going to have a guy who's going to be in our six man rotation. It's we're going to have a guy who's down in Memphis who's ready to be called up. And nobody that we just listed is going to Memphis and pitching down there until they need another guy. That's the problem. I would bring back KK and I understand that right now the rotation then if we're going to go five would be Flaherty, Hudson, Michaelis, Wayno, KK. Basically kind of what you thought you might have heading into this year minus Hudson because of Tommy John. But then the way Reyes is pitched he's a great closer and he has great stuff but his walks will be an issue if he's a starter and we'll have to see what he looks like in spring training. I don't think they're going to get him to the 100 inning mark uh, this season. I think at best next year, he right now he probably projects to be a spot starter. I don't think you can put him in the rotation and expect him yeah, to be a 200-ending guy. But you can't sell that to Reyes. Reyes's goal is to be a starter, and you're going in. You you had him do this role, at least in my opinion. I haven't spoke to anybody about it, but you have him in this role this season because the hope is to get him close to that 100-inning plateau so then you can put him in the offseason and say, okay, get stretched out because you're going to start next year. That's what he wants, and if he wants that, you can't go to him and say, hey, we're going to bring back KK and you're going to be our closer next can year. Can we be honest? I don't think the discussion is about Reyes versus KK. I think the discussion that they're going to have to have is Wayno versus KK. I agree. Because you're looking at a spot in your rotation where it's a question of, okay, who's the who's the reliable veteran that you can have in there as your number four starter going into next year? Because I, I think we all understand that Flaherty, 
Hudson, Michaelis, those guys are absolutely going to be in your rotation, barring injury next year. They've got too much invested in those three guys. They're going to be there. Then it's who's your number four starter? As of today, you don't really have one on the roster that's already signed for next year. It's probably going to be a veteran, and it's probably going to be either Wayno, KK, or somebody that they signed from the outside. We've talked about all of the other options. If you want to go out and get Scherzer, you want to sign him to a three-year deal, you could do that. If you want to go get Zach Grinke, you could do that. Maybe you sign him to a one-year deal worth like $20 million. There's options available out there if you want to go that route. But the other option internally is deciding to for two or three years instead of a one-year deal for Wayno going with KK. And then that does leave that last spot open for Reyes or Liberator later on in the season. Maybe there's somebody else that you're grooming that could be that option. But I tend to agree with Alex. Your depth in your rotation, it's guys that are going to be swing players in your bullpen. Probably John Gant, let's be honest. And somebody that's down in the minors going into next year, Matthew probably Liberatore, Matthew Liberatore. Zach Thompson. And then uh, yesterday, that this Angel Rondon, he's pushing right now, boys. And, I mean, he's going to be competing for that as well in a rotation. So you have some guys that you feel confident in going into next season with depth. And if for me, a lot of this resides on Adam Wainwright because does Wayno decide to retire? I mean, we all heard the comments of him saying, you know, he wants to go out on top and maybe he calls it this year. And if he calls it, that makes a decision easier for you because 100%. I'm going to go KK before I go Max Scherzer because Max Scherzer is going to cost me a lot of money. KK is going to be reasonably cheap and I can spend it elsewhere to make my team and better. And KK's younger too. And Scherzer's, Scherzer's probably better at this point still in his career, but you don't know what you're going to get when he gets in his, what's he going to be next year? 37? Is that what Something like be? that, yeah. So he's in his late 30s while KK's still in his early 30s. That's yeah. something to consider, too. And look, I mean, a lot of people are texting and saying, you guys are crazy. Michaelis isn't going to be healthy. Hudson isn't going to be healthy. All of this resides on the health of these players. The, the good news is Michaelis looks like he's going to be back at some point this season. So if he stays healthy the rest of this year, you feel good about that next year. Dakota Hudson apparently has been trying to come back towards the end of the season. That's a good outlook for next season. But if these guys are injured, then yeah, you change your tone pretty quick. But that's why I'm not giving KK an extension right now. I think there's two questions that this team needs to answer internally, and they can answer it a lot better than we can. Though We, we don't have these answers. Number one, what's the health outlook look like? Is Hudson actually going to be back? And they need to be super honest about that answer. Yeah. Because last year, I think there was some positive indicator indicators going into spring training. And then I think they told themselves a story about what Michaelis' season was going to look like. There were always concerns there. So you need to know what the health outlook looks like for both Hudson and Michaelis before you make any decisions on Wayno or KK. The other thing they need to do is have an honest conversation within that front office of what is our future hold for Alex Reyes? Is he actually a starter for us? Can he sustain this walk rate as a starter? Because it, you guys are right. There are questions about that. Can he get deep into games? I don't know. Not if he's walking this many guys, probably. Mm -hmm. and, and will his stuff be that good as a starter? Because you have to take, you can't be all max effort. And I think he is that at times this year. Now, maybe if he does come back I'm less back worried on that, about his stuff playing, but it's a fair question but, to ask. And if it's the max effort, maybe that's what leads to some of these walks. Then maybe he can cut back on walks, too, if he goes away from max effort and kind of paces himself throughout a six-inning start. Also, the guy we didn't even mention, guys, is Johan Oviedo in the minors as well. That's yep. another depth piece for you that if you have yourself set up the way we feel like you do in your rotation, I think the best thing for Oviedo is just to pitch for an entire season down in AAA and bring him up when he starts to trend in the right direction. There's your depth. And Woodford. I'm sorry, I forgot his name as well. So you have an entire rotation set for next year in Memphis. Down in Memphis. And that that's the way it should you be. Have 
that. This team in the past has always had those guys that you could call up at a moment's notice. You got a doubleheader. They start the second game. You need a spot start here or there. They've got guys down in Memphis that you feel pretty good can go five innings, give up one to two runs, and you find a way to get through that game. They've had those guys in the past. They didn't really have that this year available to them down in the minors, and that was the issue. So do I want to re-sign KK in theory? Yeah, I think it makes a ton of sense for this team to do that. But when you actually get to the brass tacks of, okay, what does our rotation look like next year? It becomes a little bit more difficult. And I do think it's a conversation that they have to have of what does Wayno's future hold and what do we think of Alex Reyes? Is he a future starter for us? If you think that Wayno's going to be back and Reyes is a future starter, I think this team will get the two years out of KK, decide to move on and thank him for his services. That's the way that I would probably go. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kiley. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. Coming up in about 15 minutes or so, we'll get into some questions and answers. But Alex... We heard some very disappointing audio yesterday. No, Alexiak's already signed elsewhere, guys. It's fine. We've we, I've moved on. We might have set our sights on the wrong free agent. We'll talk about it next on 101 ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. So Jamie Alexiak's already off the board, and really? that broke Alex's heart. Guys, I've have to never do this again. seen the man in tears the way that he was earlier this week. You should see where I'm at when Mike Ryder talks to me. <laughs> when the Seattle Kraken officially announced that Jamie Alexiak had agreed to terms and he would be their pick from the Dallas Stars. That was upsetting. Uh, you know what, though? Good riddance, Jamie. We don't need you. Take your six foot seven self to Seattle. Yeah. We don't need you. We got Colton Pareko. He's bigger than you. That's we right. kind of need him. Yeah, we do. kind of need him. We do. So. We got, we got Tory Krug. He's the, big. The other thing that the Blues need is a top-line left winger. We got the Falketeers. Watch your mouth. Sorry. Top-line left winger. Gabriel Landeskog fits the bill. Yeah. He is the perfect acquisition. He was a captain. He is well-respected around the league. He's willing to drop the gloves. His he plays name works well for a line that would be O... We don't know. We'll figure that out later on. He makes all the sense in the world for the Blues. You're making one of your top rivals, top contenders worse. You're adding to your top line. It makes sense. Yep. And then our guy, Shane O'Brien, who was one of the first to report the possibility of Matthew Kachuk to St. Louis, Ah. said this on his podcast. I heard Landy is not, and this is all rumors, folks, like, don't be coming in our Twitters and ripping us because it's from the rumor mill. But I heard he doesn't want to go to St. Louis, Landy. That's what I heard from, from a source that I can't reveal. But source. he doesn't want to go to St. Louis. St. Louis wants him. He doesn't want to go there. So I, I, I don't know. I think, I think he stays. I just don't know how they let him leave up, dog. But I, I just I think Joel gets it done. Look, Shane O'Brien's not just throwing the word source out there that Landeskog doesn't want to go to St. Louis. It's probably Landeskog that's saying that. By the way, that was courtesy of his podcast called the Missing Curfew Podcast. Yeah, fun podcast with former Blue Scotty Upshaw on it as well. Uh, A lot of great information that they provide. But look, I'm a little surprised that he wouldn't want to come to St. Louis if it's available because he's played with Ryan O'Reilly. He's friends with Braden Shen. Craig Berube seems like a perfect Gabriel Landeskog type of coach. But if you leave the Central Division in Colorado, I don't know if you want to go back to the Central Division. Does that make sense? Like if you leave a team that was the by far favorite of winning the Stanley Cup, 
do you want to stay in the same division that that team plays in and have to go up against them? Or would you rather go to another conference and have another shot at winning a cup with a team that doesn't have to meet them? I don't know, man. These things are always so weird to me. Like, I remember when Giancarlo Stanton uh, rejected the trade to St. Louis and everybody was like, hey, is St. Louis no longer a destination? And, like, for certain players... He just didn't like toasted rice. No, the, it's not a destination. He just didn't know we had the Mississippi River, because, I mean, that's water. Some guys want to be on a coast. They want to be in New York or L.A. or Miami. They they want the glitz, the glamour. Like, that's fine. There's different things for different people. Other guys just want to play in a really great baseball town. Yeah. Nolan Arenado, this is perfect for him. Paul Goldschmidt, this is a perfect place for him. Harrison Bader loves it here, playing in St. Louis. Like, there's, there's certain guys that just fit better right and I don't know what Gabriel Landeskog wants but if he wants to go to a bigger city if he wants to go to a coast if he's leaving Denver and wants another uh, metropolitan area like that well then yeah St. Louis is probably not the place for him and I don't know if that's because of the central Alex or if it's because of the location I don't know if it's because of the in-state taxes I've heard brought up for some of these guys where they they want to go to a place where they have no in-state tax. And by the way, Seattle Seattle. is one of those. Mm -hmm. There's a million different things that go into a decision of where you want to play. Just like for you or me or the listener right now, there's a million different things that go into where you want to live for your job. So I don't know what it is for Gabriel Landeskog, but if it is true, and I have no reason to believe that it's not. Shane O'Brien has sources, and my guess is the source is Gabriel Landeskog. with Landeskog. If, if this is true, this stinks. Because Gabriel Landeskog's really the only guy that is truly available. We don't know on Matthew Kachuk. Gabriel Landeskog's the only guy that is truly available that fits as a legit number one winger for the Blues. He was everything that they were missing. And now if you cross him off of the list of free agent acquisition possibilities, I don't know where they turn for that guy. I really don't. Yeah. Uh, well, first thing with Landis Gog, look, as much as it's being reported, he doesn't want to come to St. Louis. And it's hard to disagree with somebody who's got inside information. Money always talks. And if he goes to the market and nobody's willing to give him eight years at 60 something million dollars, if the Blues really want him, they'll give him the money and he'll go where the money comes for him but on the flip side of that to answer your question you know you got to wait for Matthew Kachuk to be more available or the the cost to come down tonight's a big night on that front tonight's a really big night on that as well as Wednesday once free agency opens up because if Calgary misses out on some players they might have to look a different direction to try and get something in return in a trade but on top of this the Blues have always been a score goals by committee type of team. It's never been one player. And when it is one player, it never works out. So as much as it would hurt to lose a guy like Gabriel Landeskog, there are names out there that you could put into a system with Craig Berube and still have some success. Is it going to be the same? God, no. But maybe you find something to keep yourself competitive until Matthew Kachuk becomes available. And there's a couple of guys that make sense. Brandon Saad, you take a look at this. The guy has played in the Central Division a lot in his career, and he's been successful. Blake Coleman, depending on what he's going to want, he's a net front presence. Kyle Palmieri, if you want to go that direction. You got... You're, you're not so much looking for a number one left winger as much as you'd be, then be looking for a guy who matches a system, plays well in a system, and goes to the front of the net. And then you find that until you get your top left winger, which could be Matthew Kachuk at that point. I always want to overpay for elite talent, not middle six forwards. And that that's where I would be a little bit concerned if you decide to go the Coleman route, the Saad route. And you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of Saad. I think he makes a lot of sense for this team. 
But at the time when I was all in on Saad, there wasn't the possibility of adding Matthew Kachuk. That felt like an impossibility. And now it doesn't feel that way. And the thing that I would have a little bit of concern about if they go that route, Alex, is does getting Brandon Saad this offseason, and this is going to sound weird, but stick with me here, prevent you from getting Matthew Kachuk next year? And the reason why that may be the case is because he's probably going to get a pretty sizable contract on a multi-year term. Mm -hmm. If you're doing that and you're adding another one of those guys to your top six forwards unit and you're going to have to re-sign Ryan O'Reilly in the not-too-distant future, you're going to have to re-sign Colton Pareko here pretty soon. Do you have enough salary slots available left after this season to be able to then go acquire Matthew Kachuk? You could probably make it work. You find a way to make it work for Kachuk. It just makes things a little bit more difficult to yeah, that point. Look, for that... And you, I was willing to do that for Landeskog. It's a little different when we're talking about middle six forwards. Yeah, I mean, for that, you have to imagine by that point, Tarasenko won't be on this team. I mean, you're going to continue to search for trade, so that's going to open up more money. But you're not going to overpay for Brandon Saad. And that's what Doug Armstrong spoke about yesterday. You know, he said, which the comment that I tweeted out, like turned into uproar of people saying that the Cardinals or the Blues are just mailing it in. But Mo said, I'm not as concerned with the first couple of weeks of free agency that other GMs are. What he Ar- means, Army did. Yeah, Army said that. And what he means by that is, I'm not going to overpay for a guy who hits free agency because of the glitz and the glamour of the name. I'm going to wait in the weeds until that player doesn't get signed to the contract that he wants. Mike Hoffman. Mike Hoffman. And then I'm going to give him the contract that we feel he deserves. He's not going to make a mistake to put themselves in a bad situation. I can promise you, and I don't know, this this is me assuming, but I could promise you that Doug Armstrong's got the name Matthew Kachuk circled on the big whiteboard in their office. They have the money set aside to what they're like, okay, this is what it would take to get them. Or they know what moves they would have to make to be able to do that. They're never looking just for one offseason. He's looking at five offseasons from now. So if Matthew Kachuk is the golden goose next year or midseason, they're not going to make a move that's going to handcuff them of getting Matthew Kachuk. If you get Landeskog, well, you're probably not getting Kachuk. But if you want Kachuk and you have to wait, then you're going to find the right deal to get somebody now that puts you in a competitive position but can also give you the opportunity to acquire a player if you feel like he can help. Last thing on this, 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. Questions and answers here in just about five minutes or so from the 618. Guys, what about Zach Hyman? I I felt like he might be a good fit as well. (laughs) For the money he's getting. He's another one that appears to be off the board. Um, It looks like he's deciding or has decided between Toronto and Edmonton. I don't think that he's in play for the Blues either. So th- that's one of the issues is one of the things for the Blues that the options are kind of running dry a little yeah. bit at the top of the market. There's a ton of options still available to them and they can make it work. But the options that were the like blue chip choices, those are kind of running dry yeah, right now. You just you have to wait this out because teams right now are panicking because when free agency opens this year's different. They don't have the opportunity to talk to players before the free agency opens. Yeah. Okay, you do, but you don't. <laughs> I mean, when Wednesday opens, it's going to be a matter of, oh, hey, we got this guy, here's his money, this is this money, blah, blah, blah. Doug's going to sit back and just wait because you're not going to give a guy like Zach Hyman, who's a good player, but he's a second-line winger for you, $6.5 million for six years. That's gonna, that, that is going to put you in a hell of a bad position if you're Doug Armstrong. That's one of those moves that could prevent you from getting Matthew Kachuk, and then you sit back and you're like, really, did we make that move? And that's what's going to end up leaving us yep. without Matthew. That would have been crazy. Yep. So with Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kiley. We'll talk about the Cardinals outfields coming up in about 15 minutes or so. But your questions, we'll have some answers for them next on 101 ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. Six five 
Air Comfort Service text line for questions and answers. Uh, let's start with a couple of bits of news coming out of Major League Baseball right now. According to multiple reports, the New York Mets have acquired Rich Hill from the Tampa Bay Rays. Now, this is apparently a money-clearing move. It clears out about $800,000 for the Rays, and this is why I would hate being a Rays fan. Yesterday, you acquired Nelson Cruz, and you're sitting here and you're like, man, we're really going for it. And today, Rich Hill, who has been objectively good for them and is a really good postseason pitcher in his career, now he's gone. A guy that has started 19 games this year for the Rays. And by the way, somebody that I would have been very interested in the Cardinals acquiring. He has a 3 8 7 ERA on the season, and now he's gone and he's going to go pitch for the Mets. And you don't have your ace in glass now. Way to go, T Bone. I don't understand. Oh, my trade. The, the 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 way the Rays operate, it feels like they're robbing Peter to pay Paul right now. Yes, you just got better offensively, but you also just like took away from one Peter? of your staff, from your starting staff. It's just it's strange to me the way they operate. I I don't get the Rays at all. They don't. I don't even know who their owner is, but man, he's a cheapskate. It's unbelievable. I was stunned they got Nelson Cruz, but now that they trade Rich Hill, I'm not as stunned. Uh, The other thing in baseball that is taking place right now, this is a much smaller bit of news. Uh, Apparently, the Cubs have decided to DFA Eric Sogard. Yeah, I'd be interested in that. Yeah, I'd be interested in him. How do you get rid of goggles? He is not a great player. Oh, well, but he perfect, would then. he would be an incremental upgrade, which is all what we're about right now for the Cardinals. He would be a slight upgrade over what you have right now in Jose Rondo. Jose, I'm sorry, Tanner. Jose, Jose, Jose. Do you would, guys agree? Would, would you guys be interested in in Sogard as a pinch hitter coming off of the bench for you, lefty bat? I'd be interested. I can't believe the Cubs. They wouldn't punch a guy with goggles, but they just DFM. Not cool, Chicago. But yeah, he'd be great off the bench because we saw what he did against the Cardinals. I think it would. I can't remember if he had the tying one in the ninth in Game 3 of the Cubs series or if he was the one that delivered in the epic collapse in Game 2. I think he was the one in Game 3. He was the tying one, yeah. And I heard Danny Mack say on the broadcast, he now has 10 pinch hit uh, hits off the bench for the Cubbies. I mean, the Cardinals bench has struggled this year. Matt Carpenter, he's been good of late, but he hasn't come through a lot when he has pinch hit opportunities. Rondon had a pinch hit home run, but there's not been a lot of moments where I say, yeah, the pinch hitter's went out and done his job, that's all Sogard would be. He would literally be kind of not the role that we wanted Pujols for, where it was Pretty power much. It was power from Pujols off the bench against lefties. Sogard would be a guy that comes off your bench to be that contact hitter. When you need to get maybe a runner to third in the ninth, runners on guy. first and second, two outs, you need to get a base hit. Sogard's the guy you bring in. Exactly. He I, this year as a pinch hitter, by the way, sorry, Alex, has a 345 on base percentage and an 801 OPS. Now, that is a small sample size, so the OPS kind of throw that away. He's not a guy that hits for power. 345 batting average, it's higher than what you'll expect from him in a Cardinals uniform, but he clearly has an ability to come in as a pinch hitter and contribute. Yeah, he's get him i mean it's gonna be cheap which i think is the first part you don't have to trade anything which is another part with this and i mean right now the biggest weakness other than your bullpen is the fact that your bench is so soft so yeah i mean if this is the expense of getting rid of jose rondon i'd do it because at least you got a little bit more consistency with eric sogard especially as a lefty bench uh, yeah. bench bat trade rondon to baltimore use. maybe you can get his They don't perform well when they're at Baltimore. It's in the minor leagues where they develop them. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service. Baltimore is the minor leagues. From the the 314. Hey, guys, plain and simple. 
Do you believe that hey. the Blues window has closed since they can't get blue chip players this offseason? Do you believe that the Blues window has officially closed, Alex? No, I think it's definitely closing, but I don't think it's closed. I think you make a couple of moves this offseason and you're right back into it. Look, the Central is not going to be as good as people think it's going to be this season. I mean, Nashville's calling themselves a competitive rebuild. Chicago's kind of all over the place right now. Minnesota might not have their number one goal scorer back this upcoming season. To me, it's a three-team race. It's Winnipeg, Colorado, and St. Louis. And Winnipeg, we've seen the Blues have success against them. In Colorado, if they lose Landeskog, that's going to be an interesting development too. So I think you're a couple pieces away from being right back into this window being open, but you got to make some big time moves this offseason. And if you don't, then I start to think it close, close even more for the Blues. Yeah, I think I'm with you. If, if you don't get a big piece this offseason, I think there's a pretty big crack in your window, in your championship window. Now, granted, it's not closed in my opinion. It might be, it, it could be one of those where maybe you're just not going to do it because you're going to be in on the Kachuk sweepstakes in two years, which then opens up that window and you've kind of fixed it. But I don't want to say it's closed. Now, if you fail again next offseason, if, if you are planning on maybe doing the Kachuk sweepstake and you fail there, then yeah, I think it's closed because you basically kick the tires on one year and then you fail another year and it's basically going to close that window. So. Yeah, and I think it does come down to finding out a way to get one specific player in. Whether it's Landeskog or whether it's something else, you find your way to get about that. So it's just a matter of if they can pull that off. And we don't really know if they can pull that off. That's Alex Ferrario. He's Tanner Hendricks, and I'm Brandon Kylie. It's BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. Our big boss just came in to... Uh, John, my feet are not up on the countertop right now. Give me... Uh, Give me a note. It's pink, too. Is that a bad thing? it at the front desk. What's it say? BK, get off the air? It says, be nicer to me and please ask simpler questions. Signed, Mike Schiltz. Sounds about right. We're going to talk about the Cardinals. Did did he mail that in? We're going to talk about the Cardinals. No, you know what? You don't know, BK. It's (laughs) not your job. The Cardinals outfield leading the charge. We'll talk about it next. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. Shallow center, coming on Bader. Oh, he got it! What a catch, Harrison Bader! Oh my goodness! He should win a gold glove here very soon, and he's so talented. DC's only getting better, and then T.O., obviously. They all can go get it, and they all, they're not afraid, and uh, it's fun knowing those guys are in the outfield, man. We feel like when they don't run a ball down, you're kind of in shock, you know, because it seems like they're going to do it every night what it sounded like last night on Bally Sports Midwest as Harrison Bader came up with one of the best catches of the season. This Cardinals outfield is putting together one hell of a highlight reel for the season at this point on some of the plays that they're making defensively with Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendricks and I'm Brandon Kiley. One of the single biggest questions about this Cardinals season was how would they perform in the outfield? We knew defensively it had the potential to be one of the best in all of baseball. The question was at the plate. Are these guys going to be able to make good on the potential that the Cardinals front office clearly believed that they had? Well, in the last 10 games, Dylan Carlson is now batting 300 with an OPS over 900. 
Harrison Bader in the month of July is batting 328 with an OPS of 880. Tyler O'Neill this month has not shown you the power, but this is actually a very encouraging sign in my opinion. He's batting 285 this month. So even when he doesn't have that power, we had previously seen the dry spells where it's like, oh, the power's not there, and now he's batting 120 for a month. No, this year he's still able to go the other way. He's able to lock in a single there, and when you've got first and third with two outs, he finds a way to drive in the run without having to hit a homer and being a three-true outcome guy. All of those players have taken significant steps both at the plate and, in my opinion, I think all three guys have gotten a lot better in the outfield defensively as well this season. It's been maybe the most encouraging sign of the year. The Cardinals outfield is leading the charge for them right now, Alex, and I'm not sure you could ask for a whole hell of a lot more from these guys. No, and I just go back to when we talked during training camp, spring training for the Cardinals, and we sat here and we said, are we really going to find out what this outfield is? Like, because we were talking about being done with Harrison Bader, shipping off Tyler. Whoa, 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 whoa. No, whoa. we were. Don't you remember BK saying, I'm done with Harrison Bader? No, it's that over. never happened. In, in fact, I did say that about Tyler O'Neill. I said I was worried about the injuries. Uh, I, I heard I you was say. worried about the strikeouts. I didn't. I never gave up I, on my guy Bader. I, I will defend BK here. Oh, wow. You actually stick of, up for your teammates well, for to, once. To be fair, I was kind of on the Harrison Bader bandwagon, too. Not as much as him, <laughs> but I was on a little bit. So... But these were three guys that you, the only one you were sure about was Dylan Carlson. I mean, people were clamoring for George Springer this offseason and spending the money for a guy who hasn't performed well. The reason that a second half run will actually come into fruition for this Cardinals team isn't Nolan Arenado, isn't Paul Goldschmidt, isn't Dylan Carlson. I think it's the entire outfield. I think it's Tyler O'Neill um, putting himself into the conversation of a legit cleanup hitter for this Cardinals team or even a five-hole hitter for this Cardinals team Harrison Bader becoming a everyday center fielder not just a split hitter where you can play him one game and not another game and Dylan Carlson being a legit rookie of the year candidate those three things will be the reason this team makes a push for a postseason position I'm with you guys on the outfield and it's been incredible and most proven us right or proven us wrong by saying hey look we've got our three guys we need to stick with them They need to get their everyday at-bats. We cleared out space by moving Fowler, so they had Carlson getting everyday at-bats in right field. I'm not going to necessarily say that I think the the outfield as a whole is going to be a reason for a second-half run. The reason for a second-half run, in my opinion, is going to come down to Goldie and Arnato because we have yet to see both of them hot at the same time. Arnato might be getting ready to break out. It's tough to tell. He had a home run yesterday, which was the go-ahead home run, but I think it's going to be those two that are going to be the reason we see the second half run. I think the three outfielders are right behind that, though. I agree with your point that they're going to play a bigger role. I just think Goldie and Arnato are much yeah, more important. Yeah, but if those two guys are hitting at the same time, you got to get somebody else who's going to do some damage. And I, think, I don't know if it's DeYoung. To me, to me, I'm not he has even... been in the month of July. Yeah, but to me, I'm not even considering him. I'm looking at the guy who hits in front of Arnato and Goldschmidt and Dylan Carlson, sure. and I'm looking at the guy who's going to be hitting behind those guys in Tyler O'Neill. You need somebody to get on base. And that's the one skill that this Cardinals lineup doesn't have a whole lot of. Uh, Goldschmidt certainly does that. But you want somebody in front of Goldie getting on base consistently. And that goes to your point on Dylan Carlson. He has been really good this year in that regard. He's tied with Paul Goldschmidt for the best on-base percentage on this team. It's amazing. He's a rookie this year still, and he has one of the best plate approaches on the roster. So it's been super impressive, and I agree with you guys. If they're going to compete in the second half for a playoff spot, they're going to need those three players to continue to perform at this level. I know we've shot down the Harrison Bader hitting leadoff, but can I pose the well, idea well, that I've talked again. about before? Not we. I, I Yesterday, I bet I he's going to hit leadoff. No, I shot that down really quick. For sure. Stupid idea, T-Bone. Don't anyway. Say we. 
What if they move Bader to the nine spot? Whoa. They say that there's not a whole lot of reason to do that. And basically what you're doing as Other a result. Other than the fact that you're getting a guy on right in front of Dylan Carlson, Arenado, and Goldschmidt. Yeah, but you are having basically an automatic out in front of him at that point. Have you seen KK hit the ball? Yeah, I saw the butt att- bunts of tip yesterday. It didn't go quite He's as well. He's got wheels. Get out of here. I, I wouldn't do it. I would I would be more apt to bat him lead. If you want that, I would be more apt to bat him lead off than to move him down to the nine hole. You're just getting him fewer at bats as a oh, result of that. Oh, stupid for, idea for, for me. Mario. No, it's it, well, I, I get what your point is, but what you're basically doing is the same thing that you would want to do if you if you hit him lead I, off. I get your point too. I think that's something that occurs next year when there's a DH. The DH when, there, sure. when there's the DH, I, I think he is a perfect nine hole hitter on a good team because you like you're talking about where you get him on in front of a Dylan Carlson and Goldie yeah. and Arnado. He'll be perfect in that nine spot when there's no pitcher batting. From the three one four, Bader to the bench slot would be best. Three one four, you are the last barnacle clamoring onto a boat that has just been cleaned off because everyone else is on board with this Bader. That was well done, right? You know there. what BK should do? BK should try to grow the hair out like Bader. No, gonna, mine yeah, just well, gets mine just gets big instead of yeah. like flowy. It's not good. <laughs> I was watching it with Katie last night and she goes, Does he always have that long hair? And I'm like, Yeah, he has. And she's like, what if you grew your hair out? I said, it looked like an afro. Yeah, it's Can't not do good. It. You, you don't want that you for gotta me. you got to have flow. And Bader's got flow, man. So I our, guess our f- I should be the only one to try it since you two aren't willing. Do you yeah. guys think Yuck. that we are starting oh. to see a turn, though? Because I know that we got that. That, that text is one. It's an anomaly. I, I do think more think- people are in on it. I think people are starting to turn a little bit on Bader. Now, if I suggested that the Cardinals re-sign him to a four-year, $40 million deal like I did the other day, maybe Cardinals fans wouldn't agree to that. But I think Cardinals fans are okay with Harrison Bader this year with what they've seen from him. To that last texter, tell me you don't watch the Cardinals games without telling me you don't watch the Cardinals games. That's exactly what it was. He's been excellent. Yeah. I mean, he he has been legitimately, while healthy, one of their best players, one of their most productive players, whether it be at the plate, on the base paths as a legitimate base stealer and going first to third, second to home on a single. Like, he's he's been everything you could have hoped that Harrison Bader would be when he came up. That's what he's become this year. And I know people were frustrated with him last night trying to turn that single into a double. I love that from him. Like, honestly, I love the aggressiveness. Like, he knows he has wheels. He's essentially telling the outfielders, go ahead, make the perfect pitch and get me out. You need a guy like that. And frankly, you have two guys on this roster who can do that, and Tyler O'Neill and Harrison Bader. And this goes back to the outfield conversation. You have guys now that you really haven't had in a long time in terms of somebody who's going to go out there, challenge the defense. He's going to put themselves on base to make the pitcher kind of get off kilter because you don't know if they're going to steal. But on top of it, you got two guys who have some swag out there. And I know people hate that phrase, but like watch them. Watch Bader steal a home run from somebody and then cheer. Let's go. You can see the energy that he brings to the game. Yeah. It's so clear. Like it is just it's a different vibe to this team when he is out there and when Tyler O'Neill is making plays out in left field as well. The guy that has the most energy on this team right now is Harrison Bader. Now, intensity, that's a different question. That's Arenado. If, if you're looking at intensity, you've got Nolan Arenado. You've got I think Alex Reyes pitches oh, with yeah. a lot of intensity. I Yadier think Molina. Does too. Yeah, you've got some guys that have that. There's a difference between energy and swagger and intensity. And the guy that you have that is bringing the former, the energy and the swagger is Harrison Bader right now. And you need those guys on your roster. He's bringing it at a really high level. The other thing, one last thing on here, if we are looking at this from a big picture sense, right? Put on our Mo bow tie here for a second. This outfield performing the way that it has this year 
makes the offseason a little more simple for Mo. You no longer have to worry about, do we have our starting outfield set? You know you do. So now going into the offseason, if you wanted to go out there and acquire a left-handed bat to be your fourth outfielder, you can offer that to somebody and you know exactly what you're offering them. It's not a situation where they're going to come in and start, but they might get this offhand start once a week or something like that, and they're going to plug in as a bench bat. And you you got to get somebody role. who can play multiple games because of the injury history for these guys. And you know exactly what you can offer. And you know what kind of a skill set you need for that role. It's much more difficult to go into an offseason when you're saying to yourself, man, we're not sure if we've got three starting outfielders. So should we go out there and sign somebody that can be that? Do we look at our prospects down in the minors that can hopefully be that? There's a lot of hoping and praying when you do that. Cardinals aren't in that spot anymore, and that helps them to decide, okay, let's focus our efforts. Let's focus our attention and money in the middle infield or into a rotation, or maybe they decide to go out there and make a trade for uh, somebody that can be a bullpen arm for them. It also, those guys that are in the minors right now at AAA that are close, maybe they become easier to trade because you are so stable right now in the outfield at the big league level. It, it allows him to be a little bit more clear-minded with what he's going to be able to do this offseason, in my opinion. Yeah. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie Coming up in about... 15 minutes or so. Wade LeBlanc has done everything you could have asked for and then some. LeBlanc. But I thought Greg Amsinger made a perfect comparison for Wade LeBlanc earlier today. We'll do that coming up at 1230. Coming up next, let's play a game of start, sit, or cut. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line for start, sit, or cut next on 101 ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. Comfort service text line for start, sit, or cut. Somebody said, start Ferrario, cut BK, and oh, bench Tanner. Didn't think that I'll one was going to come. Hey, I will take being on the bench rather than being No, we're cut. cutting T-Bone. Let's start with this one. Start, sit, I'm cut right. the current Cardinals outfield. <laughs> Tyler O'Neill, Harrison Bader, Dylan Carlson. You get to start one, sit one, cut one. Tanner, let's start That's with you. That's cruel. Oh, man. Okay, well, I'm going to start Carlson because... I- He's younger. I like his upside, so that's the reason for that. I uh, I think I would bench this O'Neal. I think no, I would. Not. I think I would bench O'Neal and cut. No, wait. This isn't this tough. Yeah, I think I'll cut Bader and bench mm. O'Neal. My thinking behind is one: the starting Carlson's because he's younger. I really like his upside. Benching O'Neal would be because he's a powerful bat, and you know my motto, slug, baby, slug. Is that your motto? I thought it was waxed, vaxed, and ready to mingle. Okay, I can have multiple mottos, okay? <laughs> Sorry, Chick Just magnet. like Baltimore develops pitching. Um, and then I, the reason I cut Bader is because I think Carlson, he's not Bader defensively, but he can play center field, and then I can go get a right fielder if I were thinking I that love this That's one why I did it. From the 980. You well, guys yeah. jump on players' bandwagons when they're hot, but when they're not, you just don't say anything about them. Not true. Not true. We cooked carp. We did cook carp. R.I.P. You guys make me guilty by association on a lot of stuff. What are you talking about? Because I never cooked carp. No, you did. And I remember you backed out of that real quick. I also I remember also, you jumping on my bandwagon, and then it fell apart. Think about that. I also think it's completely unfair that you guys are now getting credit for being on the Harrison Bader bandwagon all no, along. No, 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 no
I never was fully in. I was like the guy that was on the skateboard just holding the back bumper and then riding along. I always your go-to breakdown. I always said he was great defensively. He just never really had to hit. That's why I was in on Vader. I've just always said he's been an eight-hole hitter, and if he can't hit in the eight spot, then he's not part I'm of the team. I'm just frustrated because we got this from the 314. I'm guessing you guys are all taking Bader from the 314. Wait, what? I thought Bader was the Messiah yeah. of this show. Look, no, yeah, hey, I all of that is just attributable to me. Whoa. Just me. Yeah, well, what else is new? BK's only <laughs> about himself on this show. When I was right about something, you bet your you-know-what that I'm going to take the credit for. It. Um, I'm going to start Carlson. I'm going to bench O'Neal, and I'm going to cut Bader. And it's really kind of for the same reasons of T-Bone. And look, if Bader could be a little bit more consistent overall, I probably would have cut Tyler O'Neal. But Tyler O'Neal's got that power. And I know I got a guy in Dylan Carlson who's going to get on base a lot. I got a guy who's going to hit some home runs and be still very fast. He's a gold glove winner, frankly. So that's kind of where I'm going with us. I think you guys are right. <laughs> I hate to say new? it, but what I think Carlson's new? projection, we had a text a little bit ago that asked, is the, the comparison to uh, Carlos Beltran still fair? For Dylan Carlson. My answer to that is absolutely yes, it Didn't is. Didn't somebody say Larry Walker? <laughs> I think that was you, right? Was it? That's terrible. I think that was you. Oh, man, I was hoping that wasn't me. If you look back to 1999, that was the rookie year for Carlos Beltran. Now, reminder, baseball is a little different now than it was in 1999. Steroids. Carlos Beltran that season in Kansas City hit 27 doubles, 22 home runs. He did hit 290. His batting average is just going to be better than what you see from Car- uh, Carlson this year. But on base percentage, very similar at 340. And the OPS plus was at 99. So he's basically a league average hitter in 1999. Carlos Beltran was. This is basically the same jumping off point that you're seeing this season from Dylan Carlson. So that is a obviously high ball, high bar to clear. But that's why I'm going to start him. Yeah. I will also sit Tyler O'Neill. His his ceiling is just so high. You man. just can't find a guy who has all of the tools that Tyler O'Neill has. Like, it's just so rare to find all of those. And when they click, you're not going to find anything better. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line for start, sit, cut. Start, sit, cut. Brady, Breeze, or Rogers. Who you starting, who you sitting, who well, you cut? Three of Rogers the is, best of the last generation. Rogers, Rogers is going to sitting. And Rogers is going to be cut because he's a whiner. <laughs> Um, you're gonna keep Breeze over Rogers? Uh, yeah. Drew Breeze is an awesome teammate. He's also retired. I don't care. Well, think entire yeah. careers. Yeah. Come on, T-Bone. Um, I'm gonna get slack for this, but uh, I'll start Drew Breeze, sit Tom Brady, cut Aaron Rodgers. What? I don't like Tom Brady, but did I hear at least that I'll keep, At least I'll keep him on my team. What? Yeah. Aaron Rodgers is a whiner. Okay. I know You're we, I know we talk Breeze over Tom Brady? Yeah. I know we talk about BK having bad takes. That might have been the worst one I've heard since I've been here. Probably. But we still have one's got to go to get to today. Don't worry. <laughs> that will be forgotten of. Yeah. I don't like I don't like Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers is a whiner. This is my team, isn't it? Is this my team or is this your team? It's like saying yeah, I'm going to give it's you. It's not your job. Yeah. It's not your job. You don't know. It's like me saying I'm going to give you a free Capital Grill meal and you're like nah i'm good with mcdonald's i what? hate i'm well, fine hey, i mean right, mcdonald's well, is fine does capital great. grill have a filet fish sandwich nope no they, don't think so do they, they do they have those french fries they I, don't thank you do yes. they have a warm apple pie that you could get in a little box no i feel like they've probably got a dessert that three would be for up three to you know what this Tanner, is my start, start, to start cut. To cut breeze well, brady or rogers well, i'm clearly starting tom brady in my opinion he's the goat uh, of course. And cool. then the other one gets tougher. I think I would uh, sit 
Rodgers because he was more mobile than Breeze. Cool. Breeze was great. Don't cool. get me wrong. Have a guy on your team that's a winner. Like Rodgers, and that's kind of how the game is going for quarterbacks now. How many Super Bowls and does Rodgers have? I would have? sit Drew Breeze. The same as Drew Breeze. Yeah. What are you talking about, man? No, I don't think he does. Okay. That, so that, that one didn't happen. I would start Brady, I would sit Rodgers, and I would cut Breeze. I'm the same way as you. I've always me? said... No, no. Oh. he's not getting the warm apple pie from the box. <laughs> get out of here. Why not? It's the best. The 99 cent apple pie. Get out of you here. You find me a better value for dessert. Go to Andy's. They've got great ice cream. Uh, start, sit, cut. I'm going to start Tom Brady because he's the greatest quarterback to ever play the game. I'm sitting Debatable. Aaron Rodgers because I think you could make a strong case that at his peak, he played the position better than anybody else that I've ever seen. I think him and him and Mahomes for me are the two guys that, again, at their peak, I'm not sure I've ever seen the position played better than what they did. So I'd have Rodgers as my sit, and I'm I'm cutting Breeze. I'm Breeze sorry, was but great, but he's he's not at the same level as who those has other better two guys. numbers between Breeze and Rodgers. Breeze. Oh, okay, thanks. Rodgers' best year was better than Breeze' best year. Well, Rodgers' numbers are going to stay where they're at because he ain't playing this year. Okay. At least Breeze showed. At least Breeze showed up every year. 65780 is the air comfort service tax line for start, sit, or cut. This is an interesting one. Start, sit, or cut Edmund, DeYoung, and Sosa. Um, really, you're going to do us like this. Come on. This is a tough one. This is tougher than the outfield one, in my opinion. I agree. Um, I'm starting DeYoung. Really? Wow. Upside's higher. You're going to have a lot of errors then in that game. Is it, though? I don't think it is. I mean, I know he's been a 30 home run guy, but he hasn't looked like that in oh, like a year July. and a half. He oh, hasn't July. Ooh, ooh, one month is really good, guys. It's like three weeks, but it's, it's been great. And um, like half of one of those weeks was an all-star break. I'm starting DeYoung, sitting Edmund, and cutting Sosa. And I don't like doing it. You're we cutting a dude who just took a ball off the face? Is this because you can't get over that you called him so-so to begin the year? Yeah, you're just embarrassed he, by he, what you by did. Way, he's the opposite of so-so. I know. <laughs> he, he is hey, remarkable. Well, surprise, surprise. BKO happened again. I I really like what we've seen from Edmundo Sosa this year. He's a super fun player. But if I can only keep two of these guys, I'm keeping DeYoung and Edmund, and I'll, I'll have to get rid of Sosa. I'm starting Edmund. I'm cutting DeYoung, and I'm sitting Sosa. Wow, we, we have three different lists Wow. Then. You're starting Sosa. I'm starting Sosa. Oh. He provides a spark. He's really good defensively. Now, maybe he's not going to have the offense like Paul DeYoung can provide. But again, he's only been doing this for a couple weeks in July. It had been about a year and a half or so, maybe more, that we had seen 30 home run DeYoung. I think Tommy Edmund is a perfect super utility guy. That's why I'm sitting him, and then I'm going to cut Paul DeYoung. I already gave you mine. Oh, you just didn't <laughs> listen, did you? Good talk. <laughs> what else is new? <laughs> Alex looked at me like I was crazy. Huh? What uh, else is new? 65780 is the air comfort service tax line for start, sit, or cut. Start, sit, cut. This one is made for Tanner Hendrickson. Oh, come on. Beer. Tinder. Sorry. Beer, seltzer, or sangria. Start, sit, cut. Beer, seltzer, sangria. Oh, Tanner, have you ever had a sangria? No, what's that? That checks out. <laughs> for you, we'll do beer, seltzer, or whiskey. Okay. Well, I think I'm going to start beer. I'm going to sit whiskey, and I'm going to cut seltzer. Ugh. You're not a seltzer seltzer. guy, huh? You're terrible. I feel like I feel like Alex is going to start the seltzer. Oh, for sure. Well, it depends. Are you keeping whiskey or are you going sangria with me? Sangria for you. Because you've had a sangria before. Yes. Seltzers are starting for me. Beer will be sitting, and then I'm getting rid of that nasty sangria. You don't like sangria? No, I do, but I'm not getting rid of beer or seltzer. I I feel like I know, but refresh. It's it's a wine drink, basically. Um, I had no idea then. 
I am going to go start beer, sit sangria, and get rid nonsense of the seltzer. There is nothing better than a nice seltzer on a warm day. You know what's better than a seltzer on a warm day? I had a seltzer the other day, and it was just phenomenal. You know what's better than a seltzer on a warm day? Like a nice summer shandy. Like a nice lemony beer. Mm, Perfect. God. Start, wow. sit, cut, all-time quarterback edition. John Elway, Dan Marino, Brett Favre. Who you starting, who you sitting, who you cutting? Jeez. Um, I think I'll start John Elway. I'll sit Dan Marino on. I'll cut Brett Favre. Because you know Brett Favre is going to have some type of bad rep behind him sooner or later, right? You know. Take pictures and stuff. Okay. Okay. We, we I was just, just clarifying. We knew what you were getting at. I mean, we got it, man. <laughs> I'm just making. <laughs> I mean, we got it, man. <laughs> um, you guys know what I was talking about with the pictures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Little friend. I, I think I'm with Alex. I think I start LOA. LOA? John? You heard LOA, right? Yeah, it's all right. Okay. Fine. I start John. I sit Dan. This one's for John. <laughs> and then I cut Brett. I, I think I'm with Alex. I'm starting Dan Marino. I mentioned earlier that the two guys that I've seen that have so done it the best at the Bowl. highest level are Rodgers and Mahomes. If you go back a little further, Marino also deserves to be on that list. Patrick Mahomes' first year as a starter was the best first year as a starter by anybody not named Dan Marino. He was unreal, man. If you put him on those teams in Denver at the end of his career, he wins a Super Bowl the same way that John Elway did. Dan Marino is unfairly criticized because of his lack of rings with three Z's at the end there. Dan Marino's my starter. And I'll go ahead and sit John Elway and cut Brett Favre. I think we're all on the same page. Because of the pictures? Wasn't the exact reason why, but yeah. Uh, Gotta have a part of it. Start, sit, or cut pizza edition. Last one for you guys. New York style, St. Louis style, Chicago hey, style. Remember when I said my quarterback one won't be the most unpopular opinion of yeah, the day? I was wrong. We're about to I hit it wrong. right now. I'm sorry. Go ahead, BK. You go first, BK. Just let the hatred pour in before you can take a break. This is the smart way to do this segment. New York, Chicago, St. Louis. How you doing over there, Tanner? Wait, wait. You got, you forgot to say which one was starting, sitting, and being I think cut. That was my order. I think he sat St. Louis and he cut no. Chicago. No. I think he cut St. Louis. You said New York, St. Louis, Chicago. New York, Chicago, St. Louis. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you hate St. Louis. Go ahead, T-Bum. I think New I'm York going, style is clearly the best out of these three. I think I'm going to start Chicago. I'm going to sit St. Louis, and I'm going to cut New York. You're starting Chicago style oh, over I love, New York I style? love, a, what is that place called in Chicago? Giordano's. Uh, Giordano's. I love Giordano's. When we'd yeah, go up there for the good. state tournament and stuff, we'd get that all the time. Fantastic. State tournament for tennis because you were an yeah. all, all superstar tennis player? Exactly. In junior college? No, no, no. Sorry, high school. Oh, okay. In my that prime. Was, was even worse. Junior um, college was three was like years the, ago, yeah. man. Give me a little bit of credit. Junior college was like the tail end of the all right, career. I'm starting St. Louis style pizza, obviously. Um, what a I know. I know. You know what? I think I'm I think I'm going to sit Chicago style and I'm going to cut New York style. I don't like a lot of grease on my pizza. I'm with you. I don't like a lot of grease. I don't like a lot of bread either. I'm not a big fan of deep dish, but you know, if yeah. you get the right one, it's perfect. I just don't like the grease. Like, there's nothing worse than eating a pizza and feeling like you got to go clean your face because the grease is everywhere. Out of curiosity. And I'm an Italian. Like, you know what that, like, grease is everywhere all the time. So the, the Cardinals are playing the Reds this weekend, and we've heard a lot over the last week or so uh, because of Gary Cohn of the New York Mets broadcast. Everybody's been bringing up the uh, Skyline Chili, right? It's a super controversial, like, 
staple food within a specific city or region. The same thing could be said of St. Louis style pizza, right? You either love it or you really dislike it by and large. What other places have that? Is Chicago style pizza on that? The deep dish? Yeah, no, I think I, so. No, I don't think there's anybody in between on Chicago style. You either love it or you hate it. Well, see, I would think some people say I, I like, like me, I like a certain deep dish and I don't like another certain deep dish. So I would say it's on the fence. You know, your daily BK and Ferrario sitting on the fence. It's probably not Sponsor at the same level as like Skyline Chili or St. Louis yeah. style pizza. I don't know if there's any other food, though, that that's would be what I'm, I'm trying to think. Is there something that's kind of like a seafood that's kind of big in some of the coast cities? No, because I think everyone can be like. I don't kind think of, that's as controversial. Like people yeah. are just they don't get it's either the it's skyline either chili thing. Yeah. Well, and the same thing for the pizza in St. Louis. Like pe- some people just don't get why why Provel cheese, why why the cracker crust, right? It's delicious. Sure, but I, I I wonder if there's anything else like that. Six five seven eight zero is the Air Comfort Service tax line. If you have some suggestions, coming up next, Greg Amzinger compared Wade LeBlanc to a spare tire. Le- what? He'll explain <laughs> next on one hundred and one ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. As great as this Wade LeBlanc experiment is, and fingers crossed he pitches well again tonight in Cincinnati, you're not you're not getting a lot of mileage there. Especially, you know, you can drive with a spare tire. That's great. You can feel good about that. But at some point, if you're making a long road trip, that spare tire's in the back of your mind going, when is this thing going to blow? And, and that's what guys like Wade LeBlanc, they may have... That is a very interesting comparison. Are we sure he didn't just describe the entire pitching staff of the Cardinals this season? That was uh, Greg Amsinger talking about Wade LeBlanc earlier today on Carriker and Smallman. If you missed any of that show, be sure to check out the podcast page. It's all presented to you by I Promise, 101ESPN.com, and the free 101 ESPN app is where you find it. I actually like his comparison. Unbelievable. It It's pretty apt because Wade LeBlanc has done exactly what you needed him to do. He has, since becoming a starter, thrown for you four and a third innings against Arizona, five and two thirds against Colorado, three innings against Chicago, and then five innings of one run ball against San Francisco. Basically what you needed. You needed a guy to come in and stabilize that spot in your rotation. That being said, Wade LeBlanc is still Wade LeBlanc. And he is not a guy that you should expect to continue to pitch this way. His last three years prior to coming to St. Louis when he pitched in the big leagues, He had a 9.5 ERA, an 8.1 ERA, and a 5.7 ERA. Well, two of those three were with Baltimore, so it makes a lot of sense. He is a perfectly adequate starter for what you need right now. But if he's in your rotation, you're always going to be looking to upgrade from that spot in your rotation. So one of the reasons why his start tonight is so important in a roundabout way is because if he gets a W, if tomorrow you're able to get a win with Woodford on the mound and same thing on Sunday with Oviedo, the hope would be you were able to replace at least two of those guys down the stretch with number one, Jack Flaherty slash Miles Michaelis in that spot. And then number two, hopefully a starting pitcher that you're able to acquire at the deadline because over the next week, you very well may be able to force the hand of the front office to say, okay, we're a contender. Let's go add to this rotation right now. Uh, first of all, request to rename Flaherty and Michaelis to Flykelis this season. 
No? Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, worth a shot. I got to find a new Shorshenko. Uh This is the same. I mean, I, you could have played that audio for me, and I would have thought he was talking about John Gant a month ago. Because that's John Gant. And, and you guys were the ones that were waiting for it. I mm-hmm. tried to stick with it as long as I could, but you were waiting for that flat tire to pop, so you had to go fix it. And that is what Wade LeBlanc is. As much as we love what he's doing, and he is doing exactly what the Cardinals needed. I mean, heck, he's got you a 2.9 ERA right now in the starts that he has played for you. Just a little bit longer with this flat tire. Nobody's asking for this to be the answer and the recipe for success the rest of the season. Get us to July 31st. Because at July 31st, I would expect Mo to find some type of replacement in that rotation. And... I would assume that that replacement would be putting Woodford back to the minors so he can continue what he was doing, and then LeBlanc is going to hold out until Flaherty or Michaelis gets back. Great, because he did what you needed him to do. Keep your head above water until you get into a playoff position and you get these guys back. So this was John Gant. The experiment for John Gant worked a couple of months. Now you need a couple of months out of Wade LeBlanc till you can get to your normal rotation. I, I kind of agree that Wade LeBlanc's kind of the spare tire, and he probably... But I honestly like him as a number five starter for this team moving forward. If you get Flaherty Michaelis back and then whatever you want to do. I like Oviedo better. See, the reason I like LeBlanc better is because he throws strikes and he he plays to the defense. Oviedo sometimes runs into that walk issue. We've seen games where Oviedo has five walks. LeBlanc doesn't do that. Now, he does give up the home run ball, but it's because he is throwing strikes. Now, he could run into one of those words. He gives up three-run shot after three-run shot, but... The, the, I think he benefits from being on a good team, which he hasn't done a lot of in his playing career, and he's got a really good defense around him, like we mentioned earlier today, possibly four gold glovers on this team, and he's got a very uh, veteran-experienced catcher in Yadier Molina, which is known for commanding a pitching staff. Now, with that being said, he's not going to be a six-inning quality start kind of guy for you, but he can give you a solid five innings from that five spot, which is what you would you would take every fourth day. So to me, Wade LeBlanc is a perfect fifth starter for this team, but I can understand the argument of going to get someone else that would be better for him. I'm not sure I agree with your assessment that he throws significantly more strikes than Johan Oviedo. Lately, that hasn't been the case. Johan Oviedo in his last three starts has given up one, four, and then one walk. Wade LeBlanc in his last three starts has given up three, three, one. So it's basically the same in terms of the overall numbers that they've given up walk-wise. And if you're looking at the innings that they're giving you, Johan Oviedo in his last three starts has given you 15. And in his last three starts, uh, Wade LeBlanc has given you 13. You know, Oviedo has been a little better for you the last three starts. And the upside is certainly better with what you're getting from Oviedo than what you're getting from LeBlanc. I guess the question would be, do you get more value from Oviedo being down in the minors and being able to season himself a little bit by keeping LeBlanc in your rotation? Or do you get more value from LeBlanc being added to your bullpen? Because that's the other thing. If you add somebody to this rotation and LeBlanc kicks down to the bullpen, there's a little bit of a trickle-down effect there. Yeah, but you have a lot of guys that do what LeBlanc does in the bullpen now from the left side, right? Like we're seeing, if I'm not mistaken, McFarland's a lefty, right? And right. then you got Justin Miller, you got Hennessy Cabrera, you got Andrew Miller, who we really don't know what the hell's going on right now. Probably turf toe once again. But you have what LeBlanc gives you in the bullpen already. And I think your best bet is to have him in your rotation because of what he's doing right now. Now, when you're full health, full health and post-trade deadline, I don't agree with that. I think you put him in the bullpen just as another arm. But for right now, yeah, I, I, you have what he offers you. I think you have to go out there and get something else. But the best case scenario for Oviedo 
putting him in the minors again. It's the same with Jake Woodford. You got to get the guy some some length and some consistency in the minors rather than putting him up, dropping him down, putting him up, dropping him down, and having him lose every time he's out there. Now, when I say LeBlanc is the fifth starter when you're healthy, I am saying that because I am picturing the Cardinals are going with this Flaherty, Michaelis, piggyback situation that yeah. they appear to be talking about. Now, when we get to the point where Flaherty and Michaelis are uh, in the starting spots on their own, where Flaherty's like the three, four with my three and the Michaelis four, then I agree. Go get another pitcher to be that fifth because there are going to be better options on the market than LeBlanc. But if you're going to have Flaherty Michaelis be a the three starter for you, quote unquote, LeBlanc's a perfect five. Go f- put in another name there for the fourth. And then when you get Flaherty and Michaelis back to where they're pitching, starting their own games, then bump LeBlanc to the bullpen. Because I do agree. I think Oviedo will be better served with getting some innings in the minor leagues. Yeah, and I, I think he's good enough to be able to get those at the big leagues now. Um, I, I hear what you're saying, though, for sure. I, I think that's going to be an interesting topic of conversation as we – Uh, move forward here over the next week or so because if if they do add they decide to trade for somebody at the deadline uh that that's when this becomes a real topic uh 65780 is your comfort service text line from the 573 just great guys first make sure everything's on bk and now we're talking about changing a spare tire hasn't he already had a tough enough week that's a good point text line i think you should just learn how to change a tire the junk drawer is coming up next this is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. Let's dive into the junk drawer here on 101 ESPN. Coming up in about 10 minutes or so, Kevin Goldstein of Fangraphs, the former Astros assistant general manager, will join the show to tell us about what some of the conversations are like right now in Major League Baseball. Just because I know what's going to come from the junk drawer, kind of bad naming of it today. Because I know what we're going to be talking about. Okay. I don't know why. <laughs> I thought you had something like super important to add here. Does he <laughs> ever? Does he ever? So Kevin Goldstein's going to join us coming up in about 10 minutes or so to tell us about what this time period is like for general managers around the league. What he expects the Cardinals to do. What he thinks they should do. That's in about 10 minutes or so. But let's dive into the junk drawer. And Alex Ferrario, you were telling us earlier today about uh, something in your personal life. That you'd like to discuss on the air. Yeah, look, I didn't even have a junk drawer today. I've been carrying the load of junk drawers this week with everything. And I was just kind of talking to you guys, something personal. And you guys, oh, save it for the junk drawer. I was just having a conversation with my wife last night because, look, medical bills are starting to pile up for me right now. Just had a baby. I'm getting close to the implant process right now with my teeth. Sounds like I might be having to get a uh, a helmet for my baby because of the head Mm. shape. So these bills are starting to pile up. So we were sitting at dinner the other night. I looked at Katie and I go, what do you think if I just got an OnlyFans web um, site? She's like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, you know, OnlyFans. I come up with those accounts and you do things and people pay you money for it. She goes, hell no. I go, why? She's like, why would you do that? I said, because we need money for medical bills. And like, if I could find the right niche, might be able to make some cash off of this. I got shot down, but frankly, I didn't know what I was going to do with the OnlyFans account anyway. Like, I don't, I don't have anything that's desirable on there. So, just thought sooner or later, like you know, people are into like feet. Maybe you get like a foot OnlyFans site. 
Make some cash on it. There's some stuff you can do on there that I'm sure would make you some money. Look, I am not too ashamed to get an OnlyFans account if it means I could pay off these medical bills faster. Dude, I am with you. You guys know my staple for the junk drawer is bringing up strange and interesting ways that I can make some extra money on the side. I'm all for it. I was a little surprised to hear you say that you had a legit conversation about this before you had a conversation about, I don't know, like Ubering. Doing some DoorDash. When do I got the damn time to Uber or do a DoorDash? If I'm going to do that, I'm going to go back and do pest control, but I don't have time for it. You know what I do have time for? Nine o'clock at night before I go to bed when the baby and the wife are sleeping, log on to OnlyFans and see what people are wanting. I'm trying to imagine what your shtick would be, That's the thing. I'm trying not to imagine. I feel like you could do, you could do the Mario. Like you, you dress up in cosplay and you go Mario style. Yeah, I mean, you could grow out the mustache. You've got it ready to go at all times. I don't know how your wife would feel about it, but I think that's your go to <laughs> just fill your only fans with bad takes on the show. You'll get tons of content. <laughs> hey, if it works, I don't so, know. Something's got to be out there, though. Somebody man. said you could just sell plasma. That's another awesome possibility. Yeah, believe me, I thought about like selling blood, but somebody else says maybe you should just get two pr- two more promotions in a pandemic, just like BK yeah, did. Well, that's, believe me, it's also in play. If only that was possible. We can just go away with that one. Alex is gonna go and make uh, some videos. This could be some good marketing my, for one on one ESPN. Our good friend Andrew Marsh Marshy just texted me and he said, uh, "Just make videos of yourself saying Shorshenko." would imagine people would pay for that, right? By the way, I looked this up. I don't know if I should be looking this up on our work computers you or not. You should not be looking <laughs> it up on our work computers. Apparently, you have to give 20% of all earnings to OnlyFans. Did you know that? You no. only get 80% of the earnings. Why? I don't why? know. OnlyFans, you gotta make money. What do you mean, why? I thought they would get it from, like, advertising or Someone something. Someone said, it's me, Ferrario. <laughs> it's a me, Ferrario. Hey, average works. earnings from OnlyFans are about $180 per month. The top 1% of accounts make up roughly a third of the money. See, that's the thing, though. Like, I, I, I don't have a shtick, so there's nothing I could do with this OnlyFans. And I was like, well, it doesn't pay off anymore then. So if I'm not making enough money off it, then there's no point, right? I wonder what percentage of the OnlyFans users are men. Oh, it's got to be low. I'd say 10%. I'd go lower than that. You really shouldn't be looking this up. <laughs> I don't know where to find something like this, but I would imagine you guys are right. Hey, I know who uses that computer, so you can pass the blame to one of those two. <laughs> Someone said you could sell drugs. Ready. Heard it's a lucrative market. Yeah, well, it didn't work out too well for your Latera. Oh, okay. Wow, that was a low blow. Was it, though? I wonder what percentage it is. I, I feel like Alex could make a pretty good amount of money on Someone this, Someone said too. you do have a stick. No, I said shtick, 314. Shtick. I also wonder, do you think Alex would make more or less than the average person on there? Because it says $180 per month. It would be less. <laughs> wow. wow. You have no that confidence was, That in was him. the Randy character, BK. No. Yeah, that was, that was make, a little aggressive. Who would make the most out of all of us? I feel like I'd be willing to do just about anything on there if I well, needed the money. Man. I'll take what he said. And I would just eliminate just about. I'd probably do anything to get those bills paid off. I'm going to be honest with you, man. Fences are very expensive, as I have since learned. Yeah, but you know, you know, and this makes a great point from the 573. Ferrari, you, you have a kid now. Just wait three years when she finds the videos. That's, That's the right. thing. 
Now that I like, I would have yeah, probably how do you done explain it. That? Yeah, you can't. Although I would have explained it by your bills costed a lot of money when you were born, and mommy and daddy weren't making enough. Somebody on the text line hearing this conversation about the things that you guys are willing to do makes me very happy for my wonderful health insurance right now. Hey, amen, brother. By the way, we have great health insurance here. Yeah, it's we- just. You can have the best health insurance. Medical bills are going to pile up, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, it just plus, gets expensive. Plus, when you get implants because of a medical problem and they consider implants only cosmetic, your insurance doesn't cover it. And that kind of sucks. I should have just lived life with no teeth. <laughs> there you go. Somebody said I'd pay to hear a good Alex rant. It'd be a good laugh at the very least. Hey, I You've got do, an audience. I can do rants on there. I could do rants. I could do pest control on there if people want to watch me just do pest control, right? Somebody said BK would make the most because of his figure. <laughs> do have a very feminine fe- figure. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm just saying. Where'd this come from? Would you, you, I mean, they're not wrong. You're not wrong. I don't know whether to just be... don't pay the bill. Oh, yeah, that always works out. 618. I, I worked with a guy. I'm not going to I'm not telling Wait. you who this was. <laughs> oh, please tell me who it was. Had to be Jamie Rivers. No, right? no, 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 no. <laughs> not not here. Not here. Oh, OK, I worked with a guy at one point. He had been out of college for 15 years and he had a, he, it was his first time having a full time job where it like one place with a full time job in like five years. <laughs> Sorry, someone said not having teeth might help with this. You could do things with your gums that nobody else can. That's in, in it. Just no. I don't know if you can no. say that. No. Um, so this guy that I worked with, it was his first full-time job in a long time, and he had not been paying his student loan bills, like, at all. Zero payments. Damn. Pretended they didn't exist. And he came to me one day, and he was like, hey, man, um, can you help me out with my paycheck? I, I don't think I'm getting all of it. And I was like, yeah, man, let me. I'll help you out. I'm happy to do that. And I looked at it and I was like, hey, man, there's there's like this five hundred dollar withholding. What, <laughs> what, what are you withholding all of this money for? And he's like, I don't know, man. That's what I'm trying to figure out. I was like, it says it's a some sort of a student loan. Do, do you have student loans? He's like, yeah, but I haven't paid them in a decade. <laughs> I, was like, I think they're coming for you. Oh, my like, God. He had like half of his paycheck was going towards student loans. and The count. other half was going towards uh, health insurance. Like, man, you have to pay these oh, at some point. Shoot. They're going to get there. Sally Mae doesn't just wait around for no. her payments. Sally She's going to get it at some point. She's going to get what she wants. 636, put a wig on T-Bone and watch the cash flow in. I mean, I can do it for my inflatable hot tub. Also, I, is this a thing? Apparently, <laughs> yikes. Isn't this, they said, do videos of you eating like a slob. It pays great. They pay more when you cry during the meal. What? Is this a thing? Like, can would people pay to watch me eat food? I think we've got our shtick. I've got my boyish figure. You've got your Mario outfit, and he's got his wig with his inflatable hot tub. It's a me, Ferrario. Kevin Goldstein, national writer for Fangraphs and former Astros assistant GM is next. I hope he's not listening. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. Ferrario 
Downs, Hannah Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. Coming up in about 15 minutes or so, a pivotal night for the Blues when it comes to their trade possibilities. We'll talk about that as tonight is the first round of the NHL draft. But right now, very happy to go out to the Brownie and Crouppen celebrity line to be joined by a national writer for Fangraphs. He's a former assistant general manager with the Houston Astros. He is Kevin Goldstein joining us here on the show. Kevin, we always appreciate the time, man. How you doing about a week before this MLB trade deadline? You know, I'm always better when I'm on your show because I get called a celebrity, and it just it, it makes my day every time. And we have high standards for that, Kevin. We don't use that for just anybody. <laughs> Only when you're on the show do we call it the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. And the next the next level you get to, Kevin, is when at the end of our interview, BK will tell you that you're the best. That's yeah, when you that's know you are ultimate number one. It's just, I just I need the ego boost today. It's been a long week, so I'm, I'm feeling good right now. Well, we're happy to be here for you to boost it up a little bit before this weekend. Kevin, you've been in the room before where you're a week away from the trade deadline. You're a team that needs to add. You, you feel good about where you're at in the standings. What are the conversations like right now that are happening across Major League Baseball for these teams? I mean, this is the time of year where, where every baseball executive is really super happy. They have the unlimited text plan on their phone, <laughs> um, and, and they're just they're they're flying fast and furiously. And I you know, always talk about you know, think about a site like MLB Trade Rumors. Everybody looks at and does just a phenomenal job. MLB Trade Rumors knows or is, is writing about maybe six percent of what's actually going on. Um, but you know, you're in touch with every team and throwing you know stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks really with every team. And you know, I always said like for every 100 things you start to talk about, maybe 10 of them become real and then maybe one gets over the line. And so it's, it's a really, really busy time and a lot of you know, wasted energy, but it's unavoidable waste energy because you got to get something started just to see if you can get anything going. You know, now you got me thinking, Kevin, of like, what if what if trade deadlines pass when they're like, hey, you got to call me after eight o'clock because my plan doesn't unlimited minutes don't kick in until nine o'clock tonight. <laughs> then this this just gets worse from here. But, you know, one thing I am curious about it is how do you start the trade conversation from str- scratch? Because, like, of course, you hear the rumors back and forth of, the you know, like the talks are heating up. But, like, from a cold call, like if you're John Mozeliak and you need a starting pitcher and you just call a team that you haven't talked to yet, what are those conversations like? Well, I mean, you certainly already talked to them. You know, somewhere around late May, early June, most teams do these kind of reach-out calls where you literally reach out to all 29 other teams. You go, hey, this is where we're at right now. We're probably going to be looking for some bullpen help, might want a corner bench bat. And you kind of start these initial discussions, the initial thoughts, really kind of player families, for lack of a better word. Uh, And so you kind of know, hey, we should get in touch with them. Like, we're, we're willing to trade this guy. They're looking for something like this. We should get in touch with them. And in the time, it's really just, you know, pure insanity. You, you, you call up the Cardinals and go, you know, hey, would you, I, you know, I, didn't, I, I know where you guys are in the standings. I know things haven't gotten that well. Would you talk to Yadier Molina? We'd love to add him. And then you see if anything goes from there. And sometimes you throw out crazy stuff, and it's just a flat-out no, and you move on. And sometimes they go, yeah, well, we'd be interested. We have to be really blown away. And you see if you actually can blow them away and sometimes it leads to yeah we talk about them and this is what we'd be looking for and you start heading down you know the path to actually maybe getting a deal done so kevin let's talk a little bit about where the cardinals are at right now because they've had a nice start to the second half tuesday night notwithstanding that was a horrible no good very bad ninth inning but other than that they've played well to start out the second half and they're in a weird place because 
you're seven games back in both the division and the wild card, but this is not a team like the Cubs where you've got a lot of guys that are on that last year of their deal. You're kind of starting to enter a window as opposed to ending that window. And they've said publicly, they believe they're either going to be buyers or holders at the deadline. If you were in John Moselock's shoes, what if you are looking to acquire something, what would you be looking to acquire? Uh, bullpen guys who can throw strikes. <laughs> it's just fairly simple. You know, it, it's, it's it, right now, you know, who are you going to really trust to throw strikes when they come into a game right now? It's Gallegos or Bust, really. And so at the same time, you know, if you think about it, you know, we have our own at Fangraphs and playoff odds that get calculated every day. And right now, because of, of what happened in July and, you know, no one got hot in the central except for the Brewers. You know, we have the Cardinals' chances of reaching the postseason at 4%. That's 25 to 1. That's a long shot. And I don't think they should be putting too much into adding. I don't think they have much of a chance. And you got to look at the standings. You have to think, uh, you know, not just about the Brewers, but what's in front of you and, you and and even maybe a little bit about what's behind you. And you have to say to yourself, you know, we have to outplay the Brewers by seven games. We have to outplay the the the, the Reds by a significant amount. And we have to stay ahead of the Cubs. That's a tough threesome to do. And so I think they'll probably stand pat. Uh, you know, they do have a couple real vets, like I said, Molina and Wainwright, who are on expiring deals. But these guys are iconic Cardinals, as you know. And I think that's a difficult conversation. And I think you need to, I think, you know, a conversation, if you're thinking about selling, would be actually sitting down with them and saying, hey, do you want to stay here? If you want to stay here, you can stay here. If you want to go out and maybe go to a playoff team, we would explore that for you, but it's really up to you. You know, back to the buying side of this one, Kevin, you know, we've heard John Moselock talk about, you know, them not wanting to deal their top prospects, guys like Nolan Gorman, Matthew Levator, and nor should they unless the deal really sells it. But in these conversations, when you're a GM or a president of baseball operations and you are set on not moving a top prospect, how fast can that change during a trade deadline? Uh, you know, it actually changes for the worse. You know, it's really happened over the last, three to five years where teams have become real prospect huggers. And, and the conversations have gone from like, here's two guys to stay away from. Don't, don't even ask about them to, Hey, you got to stay out of our top 10. And then it, it's been really tough to, to get prospects. You know, we just saw, you know, without question, one of the best offensive additions in terms of a rental get traded last night in Nelson Cruz. And I thought the twins did very well for themselves as, as of the Rays, obviously, but, by doing very well for yourselves in today's market, it means two arms who are really more 11 to 20 prospects in the race system. And so it's really hard to access your, your one, two, or three prospect where you're talking about a guy you're only going to have for 60 games. But, at, but now it's become it's really hard to access the top one to 10 prospects when you're talking about a rental player. We're talking to Kevin Goldstein. You can read his work over at Fangraphs. He's a former Astros assistant general manager. He does fantastic work over at Fangraphs now. And Kevin, I did want to ask you about for the Cardinals side of things, that one another thing that makes them unique is that it sounds like Miles Michaelis and Jack Flaherty are going to be back in the not-too-distant future. They're both getting ready to go out on rehab assignments. They're expecting at some point in mid-August they should be available to the team. And then down the stretch in the month of September, you do have 10 games head-to-head with Milwaukee. How much does that play a factor in what you're going to decide to do if you're John Mosellock over the next week? Both the fact that you get a couple of starters back and you have 10 games head-to-head in the last month against the team that you're directly competing with. I, I think both those things do factor in. Uh, at times, you got to sit there and say, 
that that's also 10 really hard games. Would you mm-hmm. rather have 10 games against Milwaukee or would you rather have, you know, 10 games against the Diamondbacks in your schedule? Uh, you know, and, and you need to measure those kinds of things as well. You know, that might be a better thing for you, you know, a set of games you can go eight and two because it's going to be really hard to gain a ton on Milwaukee. Milwaukee's a really good team. I'm not saying the Cardinals are a bad team, but, you know, the most likely a good outcome for that is six and four, and that's just two games. And so it, it, it's a rough thing to, to really think about. I think getting the two starters is something that probably is playing a bigger factor. And, and uh, another reason why I think at the end of the day, the Cardinals are, are kind of going to stand pat and ride this out. When, excuse me, when could that analysis change, Kevin? Like, is there a point between now and July 31st that Mo could look at it and say, okay, we need to be buyers? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, 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 it might sound crazy even, but, you know, it's only – July 23rd. We have a we have a week to go. You you go five and one in your next six games, and then teams in front of you go you know two and four or one and five, and all of a sudden the standings look a lot better. Yeah, you might get something done on the last day, and for the most part, a lot of teams don't do anything until the last day anyway. And so you do have time. Seven days is an absolute. You know, it feels like a year when it comes to the trade deadline. We're a long way away from from things getting down to the nitty gritty. Kevin, what are the things that are interesting you most as we get closer to the deadline? Is it Trevor's story? Is it the pitchers? I guess the lack of really starting pitching that could be available. What are you most interested in as we go to the deadline a week from today? Like you said, a lack of starting pitching is a good thing. I I can't imagine how many calls Mike Rizzo is taking right now on Max Scherzer. Um, And I I think it's unlikely that he moves. I think it's somewhere around a 10 to 20% chance and, He's a difficult guy to trade because you know, he does have 10-5 rights, and, and good for him. He should have, have every bit of ability to, to kind of define where he goes. And I think the, you know, what the Cubs do in terms of, of Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, Javi Baez, Craig Kimbrell, uh, and they also have kind of a slew of lesser relievers who are all expiring contracts. They're going to be probably the busiest team in all this, and at the same time, they might be trying to figure out a way to bring – uh, especially Rizzo and Baez back on extension. So uh, they're, they're kind of juggling a lot of balls over the next seven days. Kevin, do you feel like there's a team that might be a dark horse trading, like selling team? Because we've talked a lot about the Nationals and they're still kind of in the race. Maybe not so much on Max Scherzer, but maybe some on, uh, on some of their bullpen help. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, it, Hand and Hudson, I think, are guys who are going to get, uh, you know, they're going to get some calls on. Mike Rizzo is, is a tough guy to predict. And Mike Rizzo does not like selling. And so you end up in a weird spot where I, I can see them being similar to the Cardinals and just kind of playing it straight and seeing if they can get hot again like they did a couple of weeks ago. The East does feel like a winnable division. We, you know, we, the, the Mets have a nice lead right now. They're seven games over 500, and most everything you read about is like, hey, what's wrong with the Mets? And so it's, it's, you're in a situation where I think your teams see that division as, as attainable while also knowing, like I said earlier, that they have to win the division. It's not going to be a wild card to come out of there. My last uh, trade deadline question for you, Kevin, and I do want to ask you about your trade value columns that you guys just put out over the last few days. The Colorado Rockies are very interesting to me. They've got John Gray and they also have Trevor Story, both of whom could be obviously valuable commodities at this deadline. What do you think the Rockies decide to do? Because it, with them kind of ha- being in transition in their front office, those are two potentially franchise-altering trades at this deadline and you don't know if the guy that's making those deals right now is going to be your general manager five months from now. Yeah, I wish you could. I wish I was on Zoom or something. You could see me throwing my hands up with frustration <laughs> here. Um, 
I don't know. And, and, and I think the more interesting thing is in, in talking to people in the industry, they don't know either. Um, you know, I've talked to teams over the last month. They're like, we're not even sure who to call over there. Um, and at the same time, those who have gotten in touch with them have gotten very mixed messages about what they're doing. I, I think there's no question. There's no argument that they should not trade these guys. They absolutely should deal Trevor Story and John Gray and then see what they can get for them and kind of, you know, kickstart or rebuild, hopefully get some real prospects. And John Gray might be the best starting pitcher out there at the end of the day. And obviously Trevor Story is going to impact anyone. So they should be able to get a real return for them. But um, the Rockies are a weird team. They've always been a weird team. Uh, and they're very unpredictable as far as what they're going to do. All right, last thing I wanted to get with Kevin Goldstein. He's a national writer for Fangraphs, and he was the Astros' assistant general manager previously as well. You guys put together your annual trade value chart. It's 1 through 50, the players in the league that would have the most value if they were to be traded today. Now, the vast majority of these guys have no chance of being traded. Like Fernando Tatis Jr., spoiler alert, is at number one on this list. As I ask about a Cardinal on here, you've got Jack Flaherty at number 27. What went into the decision on where to put Jack Flaherty, especially given the injuries that he's had this year? Are you guys still pretty high on what his future entails? Very much so. Yeah, I, I, I think we are. And, and I, it doesn't feel it feels like more of a bump on the road than a long term concern right now. Um, I think Jack Flaherty is really good stuff. And at times it doesn't play as well as you'd expect it to. I expect him to get better. He's still under control as a pre-free agent player for quite a while, and uh, you know that makes him an especially valuable trade piece. This is, you know, we we kind of kept grouping him, uh, you know, with Lucas Giolito, and the process was, you know, Ben Clements, who I wrote this this series with, and I, you know, kind of sat down and started with an initial list, but then we bounced it off people. You know, we sent it to a lot of people in the industry, everyone from from scouts to general managers to, um, you know, some of the the, the real numbers based you know, analyst number cruncher types and got, you know, all sorts of feedback and then tried to incorporate that into the ranking as well. So what you're seeing is something that, you know, we started with, but we got a lot of feedback from the industry as well. You also have Dylan Carlson at number 42 on this list. What's consensus on him? We we talked earlier today. He's really kind of come out of what was a little bit of a slump for him of late. What's the consensus on what his future could potentially hold? You know, I, it, it, you know no one thinks Dylan Carlson is, is you know, in the, same you know world as some of the amazing young stars we have right now like you know Tatis and Guerrero and you know Acuna before his injury at the same time you know, everyone certainly likes Dylan Carlson and sees him as an you know an above average possibly star level corner outfielder down the road and you know obviously he's just a rookie and he's years away from from arbitration and free agency and so that kind of production that kind of control he was not a guy who started on the list he kind of started outside of the 50. And he's a guy who moved into that list in the 40s, like you said, after we got feedback from the industry, which is generally very positive on him. One comp we've heard from him, for him, Kevin, was uh, Carlos Beltran. Now, I don't know that he's ever going to have the home run power that Carlos Beltran had at his prime. But skill set wise, with the speed, the ability in the corner outfield to play basically anywhere that you want him to there and the doubles uh, power as well. Do you see that a little bit in Dylan Carlson? No. <laughs> you know, when Carlos Beltran was 22, he was uh, far too older than Carlson. So, you know, he was a, a set guy who could play center field, play it well, uh, ran extremely well. I, I think it was more raw power. I mean, Carlos Beltran's tools coming up were some of the you know the best of the generation. I think it's real tough to comp anyone to a player that good unless you're really sure they're going to be that good. I also think comps in general are dangerous. I think they're. Sure. 
They're kind of simplistic and then basic, and I, I don't really like them unless they're super obvious. I would not comp Dylan Carlson to Carlos Beltran. That's fair. Hey, Kevin, we appreciate the time, man. Thanks so much for hopping on with us today. We always enjoy having you on the show. Enjoy the next week as we're heading into this trade deadline. Yeah, it should be a fun time, guys. Absolutely. Thanks, Kevin. That's Kevin Goldstein, former Astros assistant GM, now national writer for Fangraphs. Like I said, you can check out their piece right now. It's a series that they did with the top trade values uh, in all of baseball. Fernando Tatis Jr. headlined the list at number one. He had a couple of Cardinals on there as well, like we mentioned. Jack Flaherty at number 27 in all of baseball. Dylan Carlson at number 42. thought it was interesting, and we got a lot of texts that were mad at him because he said that he's not sure that the Cardinals should be a buyer. I think that's kind of the national perspective on where the Cardinals are at right now. I hate to break it to people texting in saying this guy's dumb. That's not going to happen. Like Mo's thinking that way too. Mo's thinking the only way I'm going to get somebody in a trade is if they just essentially give the guy to me. Or if, if the Cardinals over the next week go on just a crazy run. I don't even know if they do that still, though, because if they go on a crazy run, I think Mo sits there and says, well, we like where this team's at right now. If we can add a complimentary piece, great, but I'm not going to trade anything from the roster for it. I think if they went 4-1 and one over the next five games, because that's, how, that's what you'll have prior to this deadline. Fr- next Friday is the deadline, the 30th. You've got five games between now and then, three against Cincinnati, two against Cleveland. If you go 4-1 and one in those games... And you get a big weekend series out of the White Sox. This is a huge weekend for the White Sox versus the Brewers. If they sweep the Brewers this weekend and you go four and one, that's where I think maybe you you get Mo to go out there and acquire a big time arm. Yeah, but I don't know if he's just going to do it unless it's going to be cheap on the Cardinals side. Because if you go on that run, and I'm just trying to put myself in Mo's shoes here. I'm going to look at it and say, okay, well, obviously the chemistry's clicking right now for these guys. Do I really want to trade something from my roster and get something in return to mess that up? Or do we let this go? And I don't know. I've heard from a lot of people that say chemistry is just a joke when it comes to things like this. But I I, I just, I feel like from most perspective, there has to be an awful lot to change between now and the 31st for him to say, yeah, you know what? We're going to be buyers. Interesting. I I think they'll get a, a bullpen arm. I think that's what I would look for. Maybe it's not one of those high-end guys that we've talked so much about, and it's a guy that we probably look at. We're like, oh, really? But then you look at the ERA, you look at some of the stats, you're like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. That makes them better. I think he's right. What Kevin Goldstein said about finding a strike thrower coming out of the pin, that makes a lot of sense Ah, for this team. They already got a bullpen arm, though. It's uh, Garcia. Okay. It's 119. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Coming up next, tonight could be a pivotal night for the Blues when it comes to their trade possibilities and... I looked at a list to try to find a left winger not named Gabriel Landeskog. And it was just, there were so many options. Or Matthew Kachuk. I think it's kind of the guys that were on the roster last year bust for the Blues. We'll talk about it next on 101 ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. There's, there's many players in the NHL that, that have requested trades. Uh, you know, you always try and keep it below below the surface. Uh, but our, our responsibility is to do what's best for the St. Louis Blues. And if it means that, that he comes back and, and uh, plays for us, that's that, that's the outlook that it has. But uh, again, we're, we're my, my responsibility is to the franchise and do what's best for best for Vlad, or best for the Blues and hopefully best for Vladdy. 
That was Doug Armstrong yesterday talking to the assembled media a couple of days prior to, at that point, the NHL draft. The draft is tonight with Alex Ferrari on Tanner Hendricks, and I'm Brandon Kiley. Alex, this feels like another one of those benchmark days when it comes to the Vladimir Tarasenko sweepstakes. The draft being tonight and tomorrow over this weekend, if you're going to get a pick in return, it makes sense to have it happen at some point over the next couple of days. Now, this is not a deadline of any sort. They could always get a future pick if they decided to do that. But it is a place where if you're looking at Calgary, potentially getting Matthew Kachuk, that kind of a deal would also make a lot of sense tonight when the Blues have a significant pick in a way that they haven't in many years. I'll be interested to see if the Blues make any moves tonight in the NHL draft. Yeah, and I think as soon as they make a pick with that 17th overall, which I know a lot of people have asked, it's 17th overall technically, but Arizona doesn't pick their first overall pick because of what took place last year with... Ah, um, suckers. Yeah, so, <laughs> so technically it's the 17th, but it's really the 16th overall pick for the Blues. But, I mean, your key to this is if Doug Armstrong doesn't trade that pick, then they're not making a move for a big left winger. Because that pick is going to be a piece of it if you're getting somebody. Now, there still could be an opportunity to flip Tarasenko to a team and take on some more salary, or maybe you include another team to eat some of that salary. That's what you're going to be watching for this evening. But, yeah, I mean, tonight's a big night for it. Um, I would tell people that Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday is going to be a big night for it as well because if a team doesn't feel like they can make a move for a free agent, they might just go the easy route and trade somebody for Vladimir Tarasenko. And then once free agency starts up, you're going to have that as well. Really, from now until training camp, they're, they're going to continue to work the phones. But tonight's a big night because if a team wants a player that's available – they're going to get desperate and make a move for it. So we talked earlier today about Gabriel Landeskog and how, according to Shane O'Brien, it doesn't sound like uh, Gabriel Landeskog is interested in playing in St. Louis. Take that with a grain of salt. We don't know. Who knows? Maybe he's still, for the right price, would be willing to come to St. Louis. But that's the latest report from Shane O'Brien, former NHL player, that Landeskog is not interested in St. Louis. So I looked at the other free agent options out there, Alex, and we've talked about a lot of these guys there just aren't a whole lot of them out there that could fit that top-line left-wing role for the Blues. So you've got Landis Gog. If we cross him off the list, Zach Hyman is apparently deciding between Toronto and Edmonton, so you might be able to cross that off. There's a pretty significant gap between those guys and Matthew Kachuk and everybody else on the market that's a left-winger. you got Blake Coleman. He's a good player, but do you really want him as a top-line left-winger? Probably not. Brandon Saad, probably best served as a second or third line left winger. Kyle Palmieri's probably more of a third line guy. Nick Foligno, Mike Hoffman, Jaden Schwartz. There's just not really great options out there. So it makes me wonder, and by the way, Alex, to get any of these guys, you're probably going to have to overpay for them. I think the Blues' best option might be trading for that top line left winger. And maybe it is somebody that's a restricted free agent this year. And the reason why I think that makes some sense is because then you also have the cap relief coming off next season and you can still go back to the market and whether it be via free agency or Matthew Kachuk, I think that seems to be the best route for them. Go for a guy that's got one year left on his deal. See if it works. And if it does great, keep him around for a while. If not, you can go out there and potentially allow yourself still the opportunity to get Matthew Kachuk. Yeah, I mean, there's some guys that are interesting. Like, again, I, this team doesn't thrive on having a guy who's the main goal scorer. It's about complementary pieces, and Blake Coleman screams that type of player. He goes for the puck. He fights for it in the corners, much like Vince Dunn does. 
But you're right. There's going to be 30 other teams that are out there looking or now 31 other teams out there that are saying, oh, well, this guy makes a lot of sense for us. So you might get into a bidding war unless he wants to play for the Blues. Um, You know, Brandon Saad makes sense. But again, might cost you some money after the season he had for the Colorado Avalanche. You're either going for a guy who's a depth piece that won't cost you a lot that can kind of fit into a second or third line role. Or you're overpaying for a guy that you're trying to fit into a first line role that might not be that guy. So it does start with Vladimir Tarasenko. Can he make moves with Tarasenko on the con or on the book still? Yeah, because then you can kind of have a clearer picture of what you'd have to eat in a salary dump. But I think when it comes to what Doug's trying to accomplish, you're talking to other teams and you're trying to find a piece that matches your system that you could bring in and say, okay, this is the right guy for us who can play on a first or second line role. It's going to be interesting, man. Doug Armstrong has his as his work cut out for him right now because. You got the drafts tonight. You have that 16th pick, 17th overall. You've got the Vladimir Tarasenko situation where is he going to be on the roster or not? If he is, well, that's $7.5 million that you thought maybe you'd have to work with that maybe now you don't have to work with, at least at the beginning of the season. You also have to figure out what you're going to do to fill that left wing spot. Are there any defensemen out there that are available? It seems to me, at least... Tell me if you disagree with this over the last 24 hours or so. I'd say the Ryan Suter thing be- feels less and less realistic yeah, for the Blues. Like Philly really wants him. The Islanders really want him. It sounds like somebody's going to be overpaying for Ryan Suter and Zach Parise that the Blues would be able to afford. An offseason that started out with so much hope and promise is kind of starting to feel like, okay, who are the backup options? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I know it feels that way, but it's what Jeremy Rutherford has told us before as well. Like, don't look at what happens tonight and what happens on Wednesday when Landeskog signs somewhere and the Blues don't trade Tarasenko and say, oh, well, this is a terrible offseason for Doug Armstrong. He blew it. That's what everyone was saying back in eighteen nineteen when they had to sign Tyler Bozak because they that. didn't acquire a center. And then later that night, they acquired a center. There's going to be moves that take place now between teams or conversations that take place now between teams that turn into, oh, well, we aren't going to be able to acquire this guy. What's our second option? And their second option might come to calling Doug Armstrong and saying, okay, give you this for Vladimir Tarasenko. And that could include a third team that could include your left wing option. But don't look at the next two weeks and say, oh, well, this is a loss for Doug. Can I give you two other names that I had not seen anywhere else previously? So, again, take these with a grain of salt. Um, but Frank Saravalli, who's been all over this offseason so far, and he ruined the expansion draft for our guy, Alex Ferrari. Yeah, I don't talk to him about him anymore. He put together his list of the best trade candidates that could potentially be out there. Not all these guys are going to get dealt, but these are guys that he's hearing from around the league could potentially be available. And he has two forwards for the Vegas Golden Knights as possibilities. Riley Smith and uh, Jonathan Marshall. He said Smith emerged a couple of weeks ago as one of the trade chips on the wing that their general manager is willing to part with to better balance out the forward core. Sounds like his partner is also in that same category, end quote. If those guys are realistically available, I don't know if the Vegas Golden Knights would be willing or interested in dealing with the Blues. But those would be two guys that make some sense for this team. Yeah, they would definitely make sense for this team. Do they want to make a move with Vegas? Or do the, does, the, does Vegas want to make a move with the Blues? Sure. I highly doubt it because they're going to be seeing them in the West. And if you're going to move one of those guys, you might want to send them back to the East. But here's the thing. They're not going to move one of the top producing lines in the, what, in the National Hockey League last season for anything. And they're not going to move them for Vladimir Tarasenko. So don't sit here, oh, I get oh, Tarasenko sure. from Jonathan Marsh. You're going to have to blow them away like you would need to blow Calgary away from Matthew Kachuk. 
Marcheseau would be an incredible top line player for Ryan O'Reilly and in uh, Perron. But again, you're not getting him for it for something that you could just throw away. You're gonna have to give the farm to Vegas. And that's where Doug Armstrong comes into play, where you're kind of thinking beyond the trade. Do you really want to make another team better and hurt yourself for a trade like that for Marsh or so? I think it'd be worth at least looking into. Uh, I mean, I, and I hadn't seen either name. I haven't either. Even thought about previously. You said but, that, and I thought that was just some type of rumor that somebody made up. No, but, I, it, I mean, it's from Sarah Valley. It could just be a rumor, but it's it's worth at least considering. Well, we also don't listen to Sarah Valley. So. What other guy that he had on this list that I wanted to throw by you? Because it's it's pretty thin when it comes to left wingers in particular. There's, there's a lot of defensemen, a lot of goalies on here, but not a whole lot of left wingers. Warren Fogle. With the Carolina Hurricanes, he's young. He's 24 years old. He has 10 to 15 goals each of the last three seasons. He's apparently looking for more playing time. Now, this isn't your prototypical top-line left winger, but Mm -hmm. he kind of would fit more in that category of the middle six. He's a smaller guy, though, isn't he? He's 6'2". Oh, I thought he was a smaller guy. Yeah, that makes sense. Maybe that's... This is the kind of player that I'm talking about that maybe you would go out there and acquire. Somebody that could move up in the lineup a little bit, get some more playing time for you, comes at a cheaper price, and I think he's a restricted free agent this year, so you only have one more year left on his deal. And then that allows you the flexibility of next year going out and getting the guy that for the long term will fill out that top line. Keep an eye on the Rangers, too, because from what I'm hearing, it sounds like they really want to move Pavel Buchnevich um, and his restricted free agency situation because he's going to be a lot of money. So I'd say keep an eye on that one, too. You can kind of see what they're going with. But there's a lot of names out there that match what the Blues want. It's just a matter of how much they're asking for. We just saw Rasmus Ristolainen traded from Buffalo to Philly for a top four defenseman and their 13th overall draft pick tonight. That's a lot for a guy who is a top four defenseman. What do you think they're going to be asking for a top left winger that matches what the Blues want? It's going to be a lot. Does Doug Armstrong want to pull the trigger on that? That's what we're going to find out tonight when it gets closer to the draft. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kiley. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. Coming up in about 15 minutes or so, you will have a chance to win a pair of tickets. Your last pair of tickets for our show. You got one more chance coming up on the fast lane as well. Pair of tickets to see the Black Crows. That's coming up in 15 minutes. But coming up next, you give us four options. We'll tell you which one's got to go. One got to go coming up. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. Let's play a game of one's got to go. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line. You give us four options. We will tell you which one's got to go. Let's start with this one. One got to go classic board game edition. Monopoly, life, sorry, or clue. I do enjoy a good board game. This one's easy for me. Monopoly has to go. Monopoly always ends in people crying in my family. Someone telling the other person that they hate them. Wait, are you guys playing with real money? No, it's fake money, but we huh. treat it like real money. Monopoly gets just too... Monopoly ruins families. Plain and simple. So, I love me a good game of Clue. I figured out how to cheat in that game, too. I won't spoil it because... <laughs> How I win every time. Oh my god! Um, wow. Yeah. Alex is playing. Oh yeah. Two years from now, Alex is going to be playing Clue with his daughter, uh, and and it's going to be on ESPN look, Ocho too. He's going to be a pro. There's something that Ferrarios like to do, and that's cheat to make sure that they always win because they I do not like to lose. That. Disgusting. Yeah. Wow. We don't cheat like that. We only cheat at board games. BK, come on now. Um, so yeah, Monopoly's got to go. Clue, life, 
powerhouses. I'm okay with sorry, but at least sorry doesn't ruin families like Monopoly does. This is a tough one because I actually kind of enjoy all of these. I, I think. What else is new? Tanner I, likes games. Come on now. Don't be a hater on the board games. I think I'm going to get rid of. I think I'm going to get rid of Clue. The only non board game of the bunch. That makes sense. Wait, Clue's Clue's a, a board, board game? game? Okay, that's fair. What the hell's wrong with but you? But there's a board. What, what are you playing on? What kind of board game are you watching? I, I think I'd get rid of Clue. I do enjoy Clue, thinking, but it's I, kind of. I, I'm going to tell you guys what just happened here. I had mixed up Clue and Guess Who. Oh. (laughs) I'm an idiot, so that's that's what just happened. Diddy Kong was better than Mario Kart. Okay, that was a good take. That was a terrible take. The poll was behind Yona, too. I I, I think I'd get rid of Clue. I enjoy Sorry, Monopoly, Life. I also enjoy Clue, but you can kind of... Sorry's overrated, man. Sorry's got to get up out of here. Monopoly, it's ridiculous that Alex is out here getting rid of the goat. Come play with the Ferrarios and see if you're happy with Monopoly. Okay. You I, will I go, know, home crying. I don't know if I go home crying. It takes seven hours to play a game of Monopoly, which is brutal sometimes. But Monopoly's a great game. Life's fantastic. You, Clue, when it's not mixed up for guess who, is great as well. You will go Sorry's, home crying. Sorry's fine. Have you guys ever played the board game Axis and Allies? No. That no. one is fun. Sounds like a terrible game. Never it's a war, it's a war game. It, it's fun. Oh, I would recommend that like one. a really terrible game. I feel like Tanner's wow. the type of guy that goes home and plays a game of risk against himself a Ferrario, lot. Ferrario, you should have Last cheated by hitting involved. more softballs over the fence. Yeah, if I could have, I would have. 65780 is the air comfort service tax line for One's Gotta Go. One Gotta Go social media edition. Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, or Facebook. Which one's gotta go, Tanner? You can try and get dates on all of these. Instagram, Twitter, what was it? TikTok or Facebook. Facebook. Try TikTok. I, I don't quite this understand the. Uh, I yeah, don't quite understand easy. the uh, appeal yeah, to TikTok. TikTok for me as well. I don't even have a TikTok account. I think it's boring. My buddy, he like is on TikTok twenty four seven, and I just don't get it. I wish I was good at this stuff, but like TikTok and like Instagram, dancing? I'm not good at. Like dancing? I'm not good at it. Yeah, I know. I yeah, TikTok just. I, I'm. I know there's more than this to it, but to me, it looks like it's just dances. And I can dance. So what the hell am I going to contribute to TikTok? I mean, I do a mean, I'll watch your videos, but I ain't got nothing to contribute on it. I mean, it. I do a mean sprinkler, but I don't know how well that's going to get me. Or how it far ain't going to do a whole lot. Prove it! It's not a visual medium, so that's not going to go over very so well. I'm doing it right now, text line. You just can't see it. <laughs> One Gotta Go TV sprinkle, sprinkle, show sprinkle, sprinkle. or movie edition. The Marvel Universe. Star Wars. Harry Potter. Lord of the Rings. One franchise has to go. Marvel, Star Wars, Harry Potter, or Lord of the Rings. This one's easy for me. any of you two get rid of Marvel, we will have a problem tonight. I've, Definitely not. I've, um, only seen two, I've only seen two of those franchises. I'd like to stick with my making fun of Chris Kerber as much as possible because Star Wars are just total nerds. The movies are enjoyable, though. Like, whether you like the Star Wars stuff or not, the movies themselves are enjoyable. I gotta get rid of Lord of the Rings. I'm with you. Because I have never made it through one Lord of the Rings movie. Every time I have tried to watch one, I fall asleep or I turn it off. Lord of the Rings, I'm sorry, it's gotta go. I think I'm going with that, too, because I can kind of understand the. The uh, I don't know what you'd call it, but I can kind of understand the Harry Potter world, even though I've never watched yeah. the movies or read the books. Really? Yeah, no, not a, not a fan. But I can understand like the world of it. Lord of the Rings just kind of confused me a little bit, so I'll say Lord of the Rings got to go. They're all three and a half hours long, man. Uh, God bless you guys that love them, and more power to you. I'm happy that there's an audience for it, but I just can't do it Elves with the Lord of the Rings too. 
What? What'd they, you say? They, they elves creep me out. Oh. I, I don't think they're elves, are yeah, they? they? Are aren't they? <laughs> I don't think so, man. No, I think those guys live in the North Pole. No, they're different. There's elves. another movie. Hey, it's called Elf. It's look, got Will Ferrell. That's probably what you're look, thinking. Lord, of. Look, there's different kinds of elves. BK. Okay. Six five seven eight zero is the air comfort service tech side for one's got to go. This one specifically for Tanner Hendrickson. One got to go of Tanner's favorite things: the Orioles. The Rams. They're staying. They're staying. Tender. Oh, that's definitely staying. Every pitcher going into the cardinal circle of trust. Oh, guys, they're tough. Guys, they're totally elves. Um, I just looked it up. It's creepy. Well, Sorry. Circle of trust. You guys are really cruel on and don't let people in. No, when we it's let like a people nice in, you it's like them. it's like a nice nightclub. It's always better to have more. That's why there's a bouncer outside no, the nightclub. It's not. It ain't, have you Tanner, ever been to a get rid of a nightclub when we had this as a one I got rid of all of those because they were horrible. Like to sleep. Uh, I, I think I would get rid of the Orioles. I got to keep Tinder because... He didn't you get know, rid of the Seltzers? He's wearing an Orioles shirt. You literally just said a while I mean, ago I that you hate off. Seltzers. Oh, please don't. No, I um, got rid of the Seltzers. I, yeah. I amended the question. I, oh, I, I wasn't g- listening to you. I was looking up at Florida Rings or Elves. I would get rid of the Orioles... Because I got to keep tender because I'm a lonely fish in a great big sea. Uh, the Rams, the? I just love them. Is and then the Circle Dr. of Trust, like I said. Is that a Dr. Seuss book? The Circle of Trust is better when there's more people involved. Um, and fourth, the Orioles shall go. I'm trying to think of what frustrates me more when Tanner talks out of these four. I think it's the... I, I think, think I'm done with the Orioles. I, see, I, <laughs> I think, think it's I'm the Circle of Trust. <laughs> I really think it's the Circle of Trust. Like, I'm done with you trying to put people in when they have one good game. Hey, By I the way, it's, of... it's hobbits, not elves. There are hobbits and elves and orcs. Is that a... I, what's an orc? Is that the whale? I don't know, man. I don't no, watch it. We talked orc. about uh, this. Oh. There are elves <laughs> in it. I just looked it up. He said, is it a whale? That's an orca. <laughs> Uh, last one here. We'll do this real quick. One got to go. They only gave us three options, but well, I that's think not how the game is played. BK's radio career, softball career, or dance career, dance career. Wolf, I have seen that, and it gives you nightmares. Oh come on, it can't be that bad. No, I, it is. It's definitely not as bad his, as my softball. You thought his softball career was bad? Yeah. Watch this man dance. Oh, like, I'll just go. He oh, literally yeah. nothing else moves except his hips bones, his hip bones, and his little arms. They do this little like weird pumping. It's weird. It's weird. <laughs> Hey, you know what? <laughs> it's really weird. You can get away with that. I'm going to no. say your softball Alex, career. that's the move. You just stay right here. Yeah. When stay Will's, right here. When Will Smith does it, but when you do it, I feel like I'm watching somebody like try and entice somebody to come talk to him. Like, hey, look at me. I know how to dance. Has Kara, has Kara seen your dance moves? Yeah, man. For Are better you sure? or worse. Are you For sure? For better or worse. Has she opted to dance with somebody else on your first dance? Somebody said you could <laughs> add OnlyFans to BK's careers that we could get rid of. Uh, frankly, I'd like to see what that is, so I'd be in on that. I don't think you would. I don't I'd think just you would. Like I'm not see... watching either, you guys. I'm only fans. <laughs> I'd, like, I'd like to see what he decides is a good thing to try and get money. Dancing. Oof. It's a very specific I idea. I like old people money after that. We're crossing things over with the fast lane and giving you a, a chance to win a pair of tickets to see the Black Crows next on 101 ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. With Alex Ferrario 
Allen, Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. If you missed anything from today's show, be sure to check out the podcast page. It's all presented by I Promise at 101ESPN.com and the free 101ESPN app. Right now, we've got your second to last chance to win a pair of tickets to the Black Crows. You can see them next Saturday, July 31st at the Hollywood Casino Amphitheater. They're going to be playing Shake Your Money Maker in its entirety. It is hilarious that this entire week, every time we give them away, that is the one song that you say they will be singing. It's an album. Shake, it's shake. literally no. Shake. I thought it was just a album. song. Alex. It was a song. <laughs> no, it was a song. No. Hard to handle. You can find more that information too, at one hundred one ESPN dot com. Let me look them up. If you are texter number six at six five seven eight zero is the Air Comfort Service text line, and you can tell us the website that Alex Ferrario was going to sign up for to make a little extra cash. If you can do that in your texter number six at six five seven eight zero, you are the winner of a pair of tickets to see the Black Crows hey, Jamie. next Saturday. And I, and hey, I would Jamie. recommend looking them up when you hey, find BK's yes. jealous again. Why? What happened now? That was part. That was a Black, black Crow song. Okay. Uh, uh, Jamie wow, Rivers Alex. is in studio. He also talks to angels. <laughs> <laughs> to cross things over too. with us. Jamie, what's up, man? Uh, not much, boys. Just uh, excited for this Friday. And, uh, you know, a lot of stuff going on. The NHL draft tonight. Yeah, you going to watch the draft? No, probably won't watch it. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, of course I'm going to check it out. I mean, the Blues got, uh, what, the 16th pick, 17th pick, realistically. But Arizona lost their pick for Thank playing you. by other rules, not the right ones. <laughs> Um, so I've got a question for you. <laughs> yeah. So we listened to uh, to our old buddy, Shane O'Brien, who on his podcast said, yeah, Gabriel Aniscock, not interested in playing in St. Louis. Yeah. Um, Shane O'Brien may or may not have been dipping into the Bud Lights early that day. Shane O'Brien's a great guy. They have a great show. They're entertaining. I don't know how much of I don't know if he's any Frank Saravelli. That's for sure. Uh, we don't uh, speak well, of his name on this show anymore. We'll, uh, we'll see. I think that Gabriel Landeskog... If he's going to have serious discussions, it wouldn't be with Shane O'Brien, and it certainly wouldn't be telling Obi um, what Where the he's scoop play. is and what's going on. He wouldn't limit his own options by disclosing that. If we, if we though looked at that and said, okay, yeah, that's a hundred percent true, which it may not be, but if it's true that Landis Cog has other options that he would prefer above St. Louis, which is totally possible. Mm-hmm. Um, what are the backup plans on the free agent market for that top line left wing spot? Are are there any? Because I was looking earlier today, and it, it feels like it's kind of Blake Coleman, Brandon Sod, and the guys that were here last year. Yeah, um, there's a drop off for sure. There's a drop off as far as when you look at the elite talent available. There isn't. I mean, the only thing you do is you pivot and then you pick up the phone and you call the Calgary Flames and find out how serious they are about possibly moving Matthew Kachuk. Otherwise, yeah, you're diving back into the pool of that next level player, the Jaden Schwartz, the Brandon Saad. Uh, you know, Zach Hyman now looks like he's going to be off the market. So that's pretty much what you're looking at. So if I was the St. Louis Blues, I would certainly go kick the tires on Blake Coleman. I would kick the tires on Brandon Saad, and I would revisit Jaden Schwartz, and I would also revisit Mike Hoffman. Mm-hmm. I would say, you know, hey, what are you looking for here because with that guy on your power play, it made a world of difference. And not that he'd be in your top six. Maybe he's your third line left winger, but he's on your first power play. You still get a lot of use out of that guy. With you missing out, if you miss out on Landis and you don't get Matthew Kuchuk, and those are the options you drop down to, Jamie. Do you view that as a step back for Doug Armstrong in the window? 
Um, I don't know if it's a step back. I think that he has to pick the right pieces at that point, yeah. meaning that if you're going to uh, go to that next level, that next tier of player, then you better solidify two of those guys. Yeah. You better you better get two of them. You better get a Brandon Saad and a Mike Hoffman, a Jaden Schwartz and a Brandon Saad mm-hmm. or a Blake Coleman. You want to get two of those guys because all those guys, well, Schwartz, Coleman, and Saad to me represent you know, what Craig Berube really likes about players. And it's not just the physicality and the buzzing around and the dumping and chasing. They have skill. They have a lot of skill and they have finish and they work extremely hard. Mike Hoffman's in a category a little bit by himself on the other side of it, but he possesses skills that nobody else had last year. A guy that has the ability to create instant offense on your power play and almost instant offense in the offensive zone. So you look at you look at that a little bit differently. I did want to ask you about a name that I hadn't seen previously, honestly, and it was interesting. It was on Frank Saravalli's trade list of oh, possible wow. trade oh, Frankie, candidates. Stay yeah. Frankie. Seriously, enough uh, of this guy's name. Warren Fogle, left winger for the Carolina Hurricanes, has not produced at a super high level. Isn't that McLovin? Ten, yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, Fogle. <laughs> My God, it is. Great job, Jamie. I forgot that that was his name. That's tremendous. uh, Warren Fogel is from Hawaii, the great state of Hawaii. Plays in Carolina now. Uh, He's a left winger for him. He's 25 years old. He's a restricted free agent, so he's in his last year of of his deal. He said that he's a potential trade candidate. He scored 10 to 15 goals each of his first three seasons in the league. This is not a guy that profiles as being like a Matthew Kachuk, Gabriel Landis dog, and I would never suggest as much. But if you made a trade for a guy that is a restricted free agent, it does allow for some flexibility for next year if Kachuk is not moved this offseason. Or if it goes well, maybe you decide to re-sign him. If it doesn't, well, now that money's off the books and you didn't sign a Sod or a Schwartz to $4 or $5 million over multi-year term. Would he be somebody that is of interest for this team? I don't know. Or somebody like that? I don't know. I think you already have that kind of player in your lineup. I know you had 10 to 15 goals, but I do think that Sammy Blay and Zach Sanford fall in that exact category as well. Of, you know, and, and I don't know how high our fan base is on those two guys being not your savior, but someone you count on. But Zach Sanford, I don't know his exact goal totals, but I know he's Probably had pretty similar. He's had almost the same, and you know, Sammy Blay has kind of scratched that that possibility. Injuries have held him back. Mm-hmm. But uh, if I'm doing that, I'd rather stay within the organization and, and know what I have for sure. Jamie, what's coming up today on the Fast Lane, man? Well, we got uh, one of my favorite guests of all time, my man crush. I have never even met the guy yet, but uh, Matt Holiday, he's coming up. We're going to talk about everything, and we're going to dive into, like, we always talk about fighting with Matt Holiday, and he'd like to call some people out of the crowd, and guys, baseball guys, square off. I want to find out what kind of fighter Matt Holiday is. You know, is he dirty? Is it the leg sweep? Is it the poke in the eye? Is it the I feel like him and me probably have very similar fighting styles? I I highly doubt that. Better or worse than Mike Schilt? That'd be the question. Oh wow! Oh, I don't know. Pretty similar. Schilt, he got pretty aggravated at some guy. I don't know who it was though. His name was BK. He was wearing an umpire uniform. (laughs) (laughs) But we got Matt Holiday. We're going to talk about the Blues. We're going to talk about Doug Armstrong and some of his comments and just how awkward is awkward if Vladdy has to go back (laughs) into the locker room, which I think I'd pay the the price of admission right there for that. That's pay-per-view. Just to watch it. But we're going to have fun. It's a Friday. It's fun Friday. Looking forward to that. That's coming up from 2 to 6. We'll have your last chance to win a pair of tickets to see the Black Crows as well. We'll be back on Monday at 11 right here on 101 ESPN. I think we've got our shtick. I've got my boyish figure. You've got your Mario outfit, and he's got his wig with his inflatable hot tub. It's a me, Ferrario. 
been listening to the BK and Ferrario podcast, powered by I Promise. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. Peloton's best offer of the season is here. Get up to $300 off accessories when you purchase a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. Choose from a variety of accessories, like our cycling shoes, a heart rate monitor, non-slip grip dumbbells, and more. If you've been looking for a sign to join Peloton, this offer gives you everything you need to get going. This limited time offer ends November 28th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer starts November 14th and ends November 28th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.